It's Tuesday, March 30th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the show is brought to you by Man Rubs. Once again, use the code STEAK15 on their website and you can save 15% off anything in their store. Blow torches, barbecue rubs, t-shirts, coffee cups, all the good stuff, getting you ready for summer barbecues. So once again, STEAK15 at ManRubs.com. Delicious. Always delicious. I don't know if you guys saw this week or not, but uh, Smile Pirates are back. Somali pirates. Yeah, I mean, we can never get enough of those guys. Um, yeah, the evergreen shipping container that got stuck in the Suez Canal, always under the constant threat of Somali pirates. Constant. Even though we don't live anywhere near the continent of Africa or Somalia, if we did and needed to defend them off before we chartered a flight to go and protect shipping containers, yep, we could probably get everything we need to solve that problem at West Coast Survival Arms. Mike's been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. He's a licensed FFL. He'll take care of your droves and get you packing heat so that in the future, you'll be able to tell Somali pirates who the captain really is. Look at me. He can be reached on Facebook and also over the telephone at 619-870-6992. That's Mike over at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. And then we also have some of our uh, tactical gear dealers. Mediocre Medic, we talked about it last week. Nick would don the fanny pack i'm digging it um stickers patches t-shirts and more check them out on instagram and at mediocremedic.com and then the duck father himself mm. i don't know if you guys missed the drop yesterday or not but i was able to secure uh duck preem nice. i stopped i stopped the drops again well the zero fucks duck supreme clothing wear patch dropped yesterday and i was able to secure one for myself and eventually for the lab in here got it marks on Fantastic. instagram and facebook um Dumpbox.us, all those tactical gear needs met. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a huge show today. We've got Natalie Denise and Bella, the red pill babe, coming on. But first, a special treat. So before we get started, I'd like to introduce to the Steak for Breakfast podcast someone who's fought both behind the scenes and publicly for rights of people of our like-minded nature for years. Mm -hmm. Tom Pappert, Editor-in-Chief of The National File. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Happy to be here, gentlemen. I I know that audio listeners don't get to see this wonderful set that I'm looking at right now, but uh, I see whiskey, (laughs) I see Bud Lights, I see Trump flags. I think it looks like a fun time. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, Geisha Montes came down last week as our first in-studio guest, and she sure had a good time. There's also a loaded firearm on the table that I forgot to put away before the show. Oh, good for you. It's, well, out of, it's out of scene. We have a lot of amendments being protected in, on this podcast. And I don't know if you can see that <laughs> Trump 2020 concealed carry holster, but... Oh, there goes I see the First Amendment. I see the Second Amendment. I think I see the right to privacy somewhere in there. <laughs> Always with this show. <laughs> yeah. um, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, gentlemen. Just been a, uh, a long day of uh, desperately trying to keep America from sinking like the uh, Titanic-esque vessel. It very well may be. Yeah, we're all kind of bailing water on our end as well, both literally and figuratively when it comes to uh, the podcast and, and all the stuff that we're involved with. But 
Seems less like the Titanic, more like a the Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, the government <laughs> the, the government keeps effect. giving us a yeah. bucket with a hole in it, and then charging us money for it, and then giving the good bucket to some uh, to a migrant down in Texas somewhere. Oh, sounds about right. Yeah, no lies detected. <laughs> so, Tom, let's get right into it because we have a lot of questions we want to ask you. Before we could even get into like what you do on a daily basis, where did this kind of journey down? you know, all the things you represent and who you are, where did it kind of start? I don't want to say be cliche, like where your red pill moment was, but you know, just in regards to your political views, your views on the national scene and, and things that you're very passionate about, where did it kind of really start to turn from maybe a broad spectrum to kind of laser focused where you're at right now? So ironically, um, it all started with a cringe libertarian phase, I would argue, I guess. Um, <laughs> I liked uh, Ron Paul in 2012, and obviously certain uh, image boards were big fans of Ron Paul, so I fit right in with the community. And then I watched what the Republican Party did to the poor old geezer, um, and I watched them totally smear him. Totally, you know, They called him an anti-Semite. They called him you know, cowardly because he walked out of an interview. They ultimately would give him like 90 seconds of time in a two hour debate. And then when he still got so many votes that he was going to be able to do something fun at the conventions, like have a say in the party platform. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Right. They put up a teleprompter and just uh, had, I think it was Boehner at the time or some loser, uh, just read whatever was on the teleprompter. And there was no, uh, uh, no actual, you know, democracy did not work. And so then, you know, I kind of tuned out four years go by and there's this guy that I used to watch when I was a kid uh, on The Apprentice uh, running for office apparently and so I uh, I was a uh, wannabe academic at the time and so I took it like a, uh, a, a college course this sounds so cringe but I literally read every single book Trump wrote from like cover to cover and I had highlighters and I was like saying okay he said this in 1988 what did he say in, in 1997 with his second book what about the book that came out in 2000 2004 and uh, I found that on the key things that I cared about like the economy and immigration and just being a hilarious asshole the guy was incredibly uh, consistent. And so he won over my support in September of 2015. And at the time, I'm sure you guys remember, there was this uh, Facebook thing called Bernie Sanders Dank Meme Stash. Ooh. And so <laughs> an oldie but goodie. Yeah, yeah. And so I was on like these dark corners of the internet on the websites that must not be named. And uh, I'm laughing my ass off every single night because I'm seeing all these hilarious Trump memes. And then I go log over to my normie book and I'm seeing like Bernie Sanders, like, I mean, the worst meme, we all know leftists can't meme. Oh yeah. It was, it was true in 2015 too. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I want to, I want to normalize Trump. <laughs> this sounds, this sounds creepy now, but I was like, all right. So everybody's like, I, I formed the hypothesis. Everybody's afraid to support this guy. That's how come they're all going to 4chan to do it yep. because they don't feel comfortable doing it on, on regular social media. So I thought, uh, and at the time the God Emperor Trump meme was crazy, you know, kind of a mix between uh, Warhammer Dune. And so I thought, 
it, one night that was brought to you by vodka, I thought I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to hit the create a page button. I'm going to see if the at God Emperor Trump is available. And if it is, I'm going to I'm going to get it before anyone else does. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was. And I posted a couple memes that I shamelessly stole from 4chan. And then I uh, uh, sobered up the next day and I'm like, holy crap, I've got like 2000 likes. <laughs> and uh, so then the hypothesis was confirmed and it just kept building and building and building. Eventually the page got to 350,000 likes before they cut off its ability to grow. Uh, then I was persuaded to uh, uh, kind of make a group. Somebody else made it and then I kind of adopted it. Uh-huh. And uh, and that is so it's funny. That was actually one called uh, uh, God Emperor Trump Official. Yep. And the guys over at the Dank Meme Stash, I was friends with them for many years and we kind of have fallen out since everything's been banned to oblivion. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they kind of took it upon themselves to have one. I had one. It turned into this massive uh, experience that was amazing on Facebook until about 2017, which is when, of course, they started cranking out uh, cr- or cracking down, perhaps I should say, on free speech. And before you knew it, nobody was allowed to say anything and your memes couldn't be dank anymore. And it just became, I mean, you know, we all know what's happening now. I know we're all kind of in the outer rims of the Internet again, posting in all of our small Groups and message boards and discords and things of that nature. Keeping embers alive. Oh, you guys are allowed on Discord? Man, I'm jealous. I'm permanently banned from Discord for life. Well, I mean, I was until <laughs> thanks to our group, it got nuked forever. <laughs> so, yeah. Daddy. Yeah, exactly. I want to print out the screenshot I have of the email I got from them hanging up on the wallet. What does it say? Just that your account has been permanently banned if we find out that you're making... It's sort of like Twitter and our, oh, yeah. our five banned Twitter handles. And, you know, <laughs> if we ever catch you doing it again, whether it be from IP address or trying to use a VPN, you'll be nuked immediately. We have ways of making it talk. Yeah, so, that, so that's a great uh, segue into the next thing I had for you, which is we've gotten to the point to where we know there's a lot of fake news out there. And I've said it on this show before when I've given you credit uh, on our program towards the end of the narratives that you guys push at the National File that have led to contributions on this show, articles I've read and things like that. Um, but also memes have, have a way of kind of ebbing and flowing the media narrative now. Someone could put out something that's completely factual. No one will care about it until the memes start hitting, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and things of that nature. Um, but big tech censorship has really come into play, the Article 230 and things like that. What what are your feelings on, right now on on where we're at like at that point? I, I mean, I know the page got nuked from Facebook, like you just talked about. Um, even more so, closer to the election and and stop the steal in twenty twenty. But um, th- that role that they're playing right now, and it seems like the unstoppable force, who are the masters of the universe? Where do you see this eventually coming to a head? Well, you know, I was um, cautiously optimistic throughout the Trump administration that something could be done to keep what we're now seeing from happening. And, you know, we can blame Trump till the cows come home. I think he does share part of the blame. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the, the Congress was never on his side. He no. had Paul Ryan for the first two years. So that was not a real majority. Yep. And then, of course, you had Mitch McConnell and the ultimate loser, Kevin McCarthy, yeah. uh, going until now. I mean, they're still in leadership roles. And so... 
it was very frustrating. I mean, you know, when we still had the wheels, the levers of power, we could have certainly done away with Section 230, which gives them special immunities and keeps them from getting sued like everybody else gets sued. I could sue you guys just for any reason, and, you know, maybe I'd have a case, maybe not. But, no, big tech, any any single lawsuit from child porn to free speech censorship to discrimination against alternative lifestyles, the LGBT people, big tech is immune to everything because of Section 230. And it's disgusting. But since President Trump has unfortunately left office and I do not see a viable way for him to return until 2024, I think that we've got to do what Matt Drudge said before. I mean, I think he sold the website. I don't think he runs it anymore. But we've got to do what he said before uh, uh, all the way back in 2015, which is stop building our castles made out of sand in the enemy sandbox. Mm -hmm. We need to go and try desperately to build our own things. And so that was part of the ethos behind National File, but I think it's also a reason why sites like Gab are so important and why decentralized podcasts like this one are so important. I mean, it's something that if you're going to play whack-a-mole on this one, you're going to need a pretty damn big hammer. And so I think that that is the future. We've got to essentially – they want us to be segregated and off in our own little corner. This is one case where I think that will serve us best because we reach millions of people on Gab every single probably day, probably definitely week and month. And – the Facebook Nazis, you know, this guy Alan Duke over at Lead Stories, he mm-hmm. can go fact check our articles to hell on Facebook and Twitter can shadow ban us and deboost us. But they're actually getting infuriated right now because they can't do anything about Gab. So while they can cut cut your feet off on these other platforms, if you stick it out and build a Gab – um, or, I mean, I guess you could do Parler if you trust Dan Bongino and Rebecca Mercer or Spreely is a good option. And there's other ones coming. Trumper, I guess, is on the horizon. Yep. But if you stick it out and build on these platforms, it's very empowering. I used to live in fear of this former CNN employee named Alan Duke, who runs uh, the outfit called Lead Stories that is Facebook's premier fact checker. Alan Duke used to work for CNN. He, he's hired a bunch of CNN flunkies now to work for him at Lead Stories. And if this guy fact-checked you, it would kill your website on Facebook for months. And now that I don't have that, I just don't care. Yeah. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. And and we all know and talk about the people who are behind a lot of those fact-checking and uh, shadow ban algorithms and things of that nature and how much we, you know, don't appreciate, number one, them as humans, and number two, (laughs) what they do in their profession. Um, Because at the end of the day... They're going to make it to where the only narrative they hear is their own. They're not going to think there's anything else out there. And like you just stated, places like Gab, other social media websites that are coming and, uh, you know, media outlets like of this nature are going to be the ones where people get real information. I mean, one of the things I always say whenever we refer to the national file at the end of our show is you guys always have the balls to report the news before anybody else does. And, and you guys will break stories that hit the mainstream news cycle, sometimes two, three days in advance. Well, and that's really, I mean, it, it, what I've learned over the past year, you know, when we started National File, we were building. But especially since I would say, you know, summer of last year is virtually every conservative website. And you know, I don't want to name names, but OK, Daily Caller is the worst of, my, of the bunch. Um, <laughs> they are they're controlled opposition. And if they're not controlled opposition, then they have to jump through so many bureaucratic hurdles, so many loops, so many different lawyers have to look at every single thing that gets published that by 
by the time it makes it to the press, the news cycle is gone. And meanwhile, the Democrats have Media Matters for America. They've got the right wing watch. They've got everything. They've got CNN, MSNBC. I mean, you could rattle it off forever. They don't have this fear. I mean, uh, New York Times is getting sued by Project Veritas right now, and the New York Times just does not care. Their globalist owners are going to protect them forever. And so us having the guts to run in first and take the bullet and then kind of force the uh, the dinosaurs, the, the, the legacy conservative media outlets, forcing them to catch up to us has been a lot of fun and fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. On, on and at the end of the day, they're going to wind up eating themselves. So I just think, or, or they're going to fall on the own their own sword that they're trying to, you know, run in our direction because we're we're all over the place, and you know the way we we communicate isn't as centralized or as controlled as is the way they put out their narratives. When I think now more than ever, the way people get news has changed. We talked about it a little bit last week. A majority of households don't go home and sit down and watch the news anymore. So I think these big conglomerates like even Fox and, and CNN and um, all these outlets are trying to figure out how to get more people. And in reality, it's like how many days, how many hours do you spend in the car a week? Probably more than you sit down and watch the news. So if you're into podcasts like, or even like YouTube videos, like, I mean, YouTube's super censored now too. But my point is like these guys that were millions of people would either sit down and watch liberal media or conservative media. And it was like a tradition in my household. It was always a tradition to sit home, sit at home and watch the news. That's just how I was growing up. But nowadays it's like I have cable television and I don't find myself watching the news anymore. I get my news from podcasts or from articles people send me. It's through the internet and to have a, you know, something that's not censored is rare because I mean, the fact that these people are fact-checking memes is ridiculous. Yeah. It's a meme. It's a joke. And, you know, the memes we share in posts are, I mean, they're factual in essence in their genesis, but the fact that you can post something and it's like, this has been fact-checked and it's false. And it's like, it's a joke. Yeah. I saw one of those memes where <laughs> it was like, it was like a, a security camera footage of the shooter and they had obviously like lowered the the balance to make him look obviously whiter than he really was. Oh my gosh. And I saw the fact checkers say this is false and I clicked on it just to see what they were going to say was false. And they literally said the CNN logo in this image is not uh, right. the official logo right. or something. Wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? Or you'll get that other one that says fact checkers from other fact checking organizations have ruled this to be majority false. Yeah. And then the, and then the text is the text is this is false. <laughs> Like, yeah, my favorite so one is bad. they do the the similar information posted by other people has been rated false by independent fact checkers yeah. partner Facebook. But I I have a fun story on that. So I, I as far as I know, somebody could prove me wrong, and obviously they've nuked the page, so maybe they can't prove me wrong anymore. Right. Thanks yeah, Facebook. But uh, uh, so I was the first recipient of a meme to be fact checked, and it was Emma Gonzalez, that little gun grabbing uh, bald person who uh, one of the very brave Parkland survivors. Don't want to take away from that survival, but. I, we did a meme of her ripping apart the Constitution. And all of a sudden, like three days after we posted, it's got, you know, this was back when you could still get thousands of likes on Facebook without being named Ben Shapiro. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and we go back and we look and we're like, what the hell is this? Misleading fake news, not real. Why is it covered up? It's a freaking meme. And so that was, uh, that was when the memes started. And now, God forbid, you post a meme about Dr. Seuss. You'll never be allowed oh, on wow. Facebook again. Oh, my gosh. Or Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, the, the fact check on that one is this is not the actual uh, 
document that's being ripped up. Yeah, it's uh, it's so backwards. And I think I was talking to my dad today on the phone, and in Sandy, we're in San Diego, and um, we have a huge convention center that's used for Comic Con and a bunch of other pretty epic events. Homeless people. And now it's <laughs> being housed for for migrant children, and um, the school still aren't public school still not open here. But these teachers from San Diego Unified are being contracted to go teach the in person. Did you guys see that? Yeah, in person. Yep. Yeah. Are they being contracted? So that was. Uh, I don't know if they're being Saki. contracted or if they're just being paid by the school district. I don't so know somebody how it's is paying them. So Somebody's Biden and Pasaki. Yeah. How is this? We're paying them. Somebody get a fact check. They claim that uh, that the, or Pasaki indicated, insinuated that it's all just volunteers. They're they're volunteer oh teachers going to teach these migrant children for free, and we should all be so happy that we live in a country where where the, our our nation's frontline teachers are willing to go teach people who aren't even American and probably have no interest in being American. Yeah, they're not so doing that, that is, for free. Well, of course is, not. Teachers well, don't work. Well, I mean, free. well, and that's the thing too. They said they were Sweetwater Unified School District teachers. Contractually, it's against their collective bargaining agreement to contract outside of their contract. Basically, I mean, as a teacher, if you're like, let's just say you're a high school teacher, like I was here, so I pretty much know the ins and outs of it. If you got caught tutoring kids on your own time <laughs> for any kind paid, of monetary compensation, part, yeah. you could be subject to termination. <laughs> so just to say that these teachers who are under contract to technically be teaching American kids in San Diego County volunteer to go and teach in person to these migrant children at the convention center, they would be subject to termination as well. Well, they should. And the frustrating part is like these kids have been out of school for what, a year and a half now? It's been a year or and about a, a year, year and, and a few change. months. Yeah. yeah. And these teacher, the teacher's argument is like, well, we don't feel safe. And it's like, but you're going to go to people who haven't been screened for COVID who are coming from a hot, like, Literally the pipeline of COVID. And maybe be, maybe bringing the Brazilian strain fourth wave <laughs> with variants. Them. Right. Well, yeah. not to mention, not to be a jerk, but among a lot of other, you know, measles and, and um, scabies. I mean, a lot of things that are. A lot of scabies. A lot of things that are, that are contracted down in the border and in poverty border stricken towns. And it's like, I want to know who's quarterbacking this because there has to. I was, when I was talking to my dad, I was like, I think that at this point, the left is just doing stuff to piss off people of the right. Because the stuff that they're doing, even from a Democrat's perspective, doesn't even make sense. Well, they're just doing everything they can, whatever the opposite of what us, which would be the majority, yeah, want, they're going to do. and it's literally, I, I feel like it's the, in the most petty way just to piss people off. And yeah. It's like, dude, even if you're a liberal person in San Diego... Are you excited that your teacher is not going to show up to your class and you you got to sit with him at Zoom as you go back to work and work full time and figure that out? And then to see on the news that your kid's going to get the shaft and he's going to have to be at home. You're going to basically be teaching him, but they're going to take care of these migrant kids. And it's like, where's the priorities at as a country? It's insane. Well, it all depends on where the virtue single of, you know, the week is, what the... What the you know, the largest one of those are. I guess it's not about homeless people getting kicked out of their shelter that they had. Yeah. Well, I, I, I Possible actually, homeless veterans. And since, since we're all meme enthusiasts here, I did see this good one the other day. It was like, uh, it was an English policeman, but they, they had it to be an American one. And he was kind of like poking a, a homeless person with his, you know. Uh, Billy Club. Yeah. 
and saying, excuse me, sir, the migrants in the convention center have said that they no longer desire to see you sleeping here. And it was like trying to move him out of the <laughs> yeah. way. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's just perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and what you honed in on, I think you're right. It's, it make, there is no logic to this, not even like they're insane logic, because yeah, you're telling us we have to wear three masks. We have to you know, stick something up our butt to keep from farting out COVID. We have to you know, stay six feet away. Kids aren't allowed to play together unless they're wearing masks. But at the same time, these illegal aliens, including children, you know, they're like 150 to a room. They can't even move. It's something out of like a, a Pink Floyd movie. Yep. And the teachers are being forced to go in there. I mean, it, it just to anybody who's paying attention. And this is why I remain hopeful to anybody paying attention. You look at this and you're like, are, are you kidding me? There is no logic here. There is absolutely not a trace of anything that makes sense. And so I almost feel like it's a game that they're playing to see how far they can make their people go. They've already got mm -hmm. their side, you know, the 30 percent uh, minority that is masquerading as a majority. They've got them convinced to wear masks and you can't hug your mom and and you don't go to work. You can't even go to a drive through or you might die. But at the same time, they want them to accept the, the situation, the crisis at the border, the invasion. I, I almost just feel like they're like, hey, we got these rubes believing us so far. Let's see what we can get away with. Yeah, yeah it's like a it's like a fucked up it. worldwide episode of Impractical Jokers. Like, OK, now do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one thing I definitely want to touch on. Um, it's, it's something that we hold, all hold near and dear on this show. Guns? Close. Keep going. Beer? Now, what would be number third? Whenever we're in need of a pick-me-up. National Treasure? No, not National Treasure. <laughs> I'm a movie list. Alex Jones. Oh. Oh, perfect. yeah. You're going to roast me again for my movie choice. No, every time I, I, I write up a really bleak show script, I always try to go back and bring some Alex ranting on the narrative is this a recent one well no i'm not gonna do it i'm oh. just gonna say i want i want to ask tom as someone who's now a i would call you a regular contributor on infowars now and someone who works with the production team over there on a regular basis what's it like how much do you enjoy it and uh you got to give us at least one funny story from it <laughs> well i don't want to I'd have to think of something that happened on air, which I can probably do. Um, I would say that Alex is – so when I first walked into the InfoWars studio back in like – I think it was 2018, uh, right after Roger Stone got arrested mm -hmm. and right before uh, Alex got deplatformed. Right. And uh, you walk in and so Alex, in between the commercial breaks, he's doing like a, a normal eight to five job. So he's like – in a four-minute commercial break, he will take three phone calls, have a meeting and, uh, and go out into the control room and be like, all right, here's what we're going to title that segment. And so the first time I, I met him in person, I'd been on the show a couple times to talk about God Emperor Trump, but right. uh, I, there, somebody is showing me around, one of the cameramen who now runs the whole IT department, and uh, he kind of just leads me into this weird control room looking area, and, uh, and all of a sudden there's Jones. And the only thing I could compare it to is like Napoleon on the battlefield. He's issuing orders left and right. And then he just looks at me and he, he like storms over to me. Uh, I like I was afraid he was going to punch me. And he's like, Pabbert, good to meet you. I got to get back in there in 45 seconds. But I, uh, we got we to talk later. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to get you on in the third hour. All right, bye. And so uh, <laughs> I would say that that is all of what Alex Jones is like on air, off air. He is just as uh, intense and dedicated as he is on the air. And then um, 
I am trying to think. Well, the first time I ever went on, he he went uh, I, I he went totally Jones mode, and it was to discuss Ralph Northam and you know the blackface baby mm-hmm. killer, and uh, and he spent probably half the broadcast doing a uh, fake uh, uh, plantation owner Southern accent, Jeez. going, oh "We're just gonna kill the babies, Tom. What's so bad? We're just gonna put an ice pick through their skull. The mother will consent." <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get with Alex. No, you don't. Uh, I've, I've watched so many of his shows. I mean, I think he's so many people's red pill moment, even if you don't want to admit it. I mean, he's been around forever. And, and just to say you never listened to, like, one of his epic rants and gone like, you know what? Some of that kind of makes sense. And yeah. I know I've seen part of what he was yelling at. Well, and the fact that his track record is so, when you I mean looking back at the things that he's talked about, and you're like, this guy is crazy. And then. Something happens, and you're like, "Oh, he was right." Alex Jones said like a year ago, <laughs> right? Like, uh, right. you know, like I know we're not supposed, you know, PizzaGate, and then all the um, Bohemian Grove stuff. I mean, there was stuff that was coming out when he first started getting big. I know PizzaGate's newer, but like Bohemian Grove, Illuminati, and all that stuff. And well, and the thing would, is, I mean, and I'll, I can address that to some extent. Like Alex, what he did was actual journalism where he's exposing yeah. like these are their white papers this is what mm-hmm. they say they believe in yep. you've got uh, marina abramovic or whatever on earth her name is the pizzagate sorceress who was on reddit saying you know it's real if you think it's real uh that that's like almost a direct quote yep. and so then this is a good example on so many things that infowars is broken and now that national file is breaking uh, well, what they do is they say all right we've got this really damaging narrative how can we end it immediately and so then it becomes all about this poor pizza parlor that probably had nothing to do with it and people are like uh, creating fake audio where they're screaming in the basement they don't even have a basement some crazy person with a gun goes in people almost die and then now Pizzagate is verboten meanwhile they use that to discredit all of Alex Jones coverage of Bohemian Grove where they all get drunk and pray to a giant owl Uh, every Republican goes there and a lot of Democrats go there they use that to totally uh, take the teeth out of the Bilderberg meeting out of the Davos meetings, what is happening at these places, because anything God forbid you point out that Jeffrey Epstein had a a bunch of underage girls go to his island, they just call you a Pizzagate conspiracy theorist and you're disarmed. But it doesn't change the fact that the dude was right. Yeah, I've talked about that a couple of times where I've you know overheard conversations and just to discredit anything involved in any facet of something that comes off of these topics, they take like whatever the craziest thing is and use that just as the, well, these people believe this. And obviously, you know, they're just, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is your, your mulligan to just get everybody to stop talking about it. All right. Talking about interdimensional demons and how they are a real thing and affecting us all in our everyday lives is one thing and pushing some products that he feels passionate about as a company that needs sponsors to survive. They use that to kind of ball together the actual journalism that he's performed over the years and totally discredit it. I don't prefer, I don't personally, I'm not a fan of Joe Rogan. I, I listen to very few of his shows unless there's someone I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I will listen to start to finish and then probably a second time every time he has Alex on there. I, I do like the fact that he kind of like fact checks him into reality, but at the same time puts his own credibility out there by saying, you, you, you want to know what? The way you say it, maybe the delivery wasn't the best, but what you're actually saying the journalism you've done in regards to that, it's real and it's factual and people discredit you for that. You've been fact-checked. You've been canceled for that stuff. I mean, they've all talked about it as one big mistake and we don't need to get into it. It's not a huge deal. I mean, everybody makes them in life. 
Um, but I think the totality of his work and in combination what you're doing with him now, it's just, it's pretty awesome for people like us who really feel like, like you said earlier in the interview that there is still a bleak sense of hope. It's for people like all of us who are just kind of working on behalf of the people who might be scared to aren't informed enough and you know, people of that nature. Well, and, and, I mean, really what it comes down, I mean, we were, you know, National File was nobody a year and a half ago and, you know, got him for Trump. You know, it was fun, but I, and it made a, I like to think it made an impact. I don't know how big my head is getting or if that's true, no, it did. but you know, it's really just proof that under a meritocracy podcasts like this and Alex Jones and National File and, and, you know, our reporters like Patrick Halley and Jack Hadfield and, and uh, Gabe Keen, all of these people, you know, in a meritocracy, they're going to make a difference just because they're showing up, they're passionate, and they're doing it day after day after day. Now, that's, again, what take, you know, circle all the way back around like Jim Pisaki never does. And uh, it, <laughs> that... That is why they had to come in and censor us all. That is why Alex Jones is the crazy conspiracy theorist who talks about aliens and 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 doesn't believe that uh, shootings happen. And it, it's it's and you know look at you know this podcast or look at Gab. That's the proof. Any time that you have a level playing field. People like us who are willing to speak truth to power skyrocket to the top. And anytime there is not a level playing field, then we sit there and wonder, huh, how come Glenn Beck and The Blaze and Daily Caller and the, and, and uh, Ben Shapiro and Daily Wire and Dan Bongino, how come these people are doing so well when they seem so mediocre? And of course, you know, eventually when if you're if you're smart and you get on Gab or you do your own thing, you find out, oh, they're not popular. It's being shoved down people's throats mm -hmm. and nobody has any idea that there are alternatives. And you'll never find out the way any of those people really feel about any of the issues they talk about, because at the end of the day, there's a huge media company above them. And right below that huge media company, there's an executive producer, yeah. you know, who's saying right. that. So, wow, I really I'm good. I'm glad you feel passionate about that. So you're going to say it up to this point, And if you go one inch over the line, you'll never fucking say it on the air again. Yeah. Have a good show. So that's, that's why exactly right. People no, like and, and, and that is like you were talking about earlier info. We're selling supplements. That's so they don't have to have that fear because if it's not a, a executive producer, then it's a donor. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess I've not already trashed the Mercers quite a bit, but you know, I have respect for what they did. Um, but you know, it's like, look what happened with Breitbart. Yep. They were the biggest, uh, fighters in the movement. They're still fighters, but then there was the Milo situation, which, you know, however you feel about that, all of the bad press essentially kind of made the Mercers come and say, Hey, I don't know if this is a good place to spend our money. Their choice completely up to them. And as a result, Breitbart kind of had to moderate itself. Yeah. And now I don't, you know, you're, you don't see Pepe memes on the front page of Breitbart <laughs> like you did in 2016. It just doesn't happen. And, you know, that's their decision. They've become a more uh, buttoned up, uh, uh, you know, kind of managed outlet. And I hope it's working great for them. But, I, they did, they made that decision because they had to. And yep. so national file, we have no big donors. We have no corporate interests. We have nobody bankrolling us. You know, it's, it's me and the guys. And as long as we agree, it's good to go, then it's good to go. And if we get sued, we'll get a lawyer. There yep. you go. Um, moving forward. And, and as we, we wrap it up here, where do you feel, I mean, there's a lot of, hopefully by the end of some minor marketing on our behalf before we, you know, throw this up uh, tonight or tomorrow, you know, there's going to be some refugees from both the main page and official. There's going to be some Epic gamers listening. We have a pretty good meme reach 
through our social medias and, and websites now, there are probably a lot of people who didn't know who you were or, or could see you on the street and not know anything about you before you came on our show today, which is, at the end of the day, they're lost because you've been a pretty driving force in the not just ship poster community, but now on an informative level. What kind of message do you have for everyone, you know, moving forward? Like, where do we go today? I know there's a lot of people who listen to this show who draw an absolute red line and, uh, you know, say, unless 2020 in regards to the election is addressed, I don't even want to hear about 2022, 2024, anything moving forward because they fucked us once. They made everybody think it's legit. I mean, we've talked about in the last 30 minutes how they do that. It's just by showing you enough, you misinform the uneducated and the people who aren't really into the whole, you know, field of politics. If they say the, the election and things like that nature are legit, then it, then it must be because CNN told me, because Don Lamont told me, or Ben <laughs> Shapiro told me, or, or Cucker told me. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Moving forward, organizationally, as independent people who have libertarian values, who are, you know, conservative proprietors of the Constitution and things of that nature, as, as we start to move forward, what, what do you think advice-wise you could give to everybody as far as staying in the know and then, like, maybe even what to do, not telling them, like, what to do in their everyday lives, but just kind of how to keep an open eye moving forward politically? Well, so, I mean, there's, uh, I guess it's kind of a two-part answer I want to give. And the first thing is, there is, you know, we're never going to, I mean, we cannot, to my knowledge, I don't know a legal way to do it. And obviously the woke military probably isn't going to play with our, uh, play our games, but, um, there, there's no way we can go back and make Trump president for another four years starting, uh, you know, tomorrow. I wish there were, I used, I slept like two hours a night from November 4th until January 20th, trying to find a way. And I mean, we got memos to the white house. We were talking with the Trump people for the first time ever. First time I've ever revealed that publicly on this podcast. Oh, thank um, you. And, and it was, we were doing everything we could. I just, I, I don't see how it's possible. January 6th, Mike Pence, the son of a bitch, the, the, I got so many words I shouldn't uh. say, but I know I could on this podcast. Yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, uh, go for it. Complete the, motherfucker. The, yes. Real life complete Judas. motherfucker, the little coward, yeah. the little, the little just pussy bitch. Um, you know, he could have <laughs> done the right thing. He could have gone down as an American icon, an American hero. And instead he's going to be remembered as the guy who got 1% of the vote in 2024. Boom. But there, there is absolutely a way out of this if folks want to get uh, – if they want to get active, even if they don't, just supporting the right people. And that – I mean look what happened in Georgia. We got pretty much all of the COVID bullshit thrown out. You got to have an ID to vote. There's no more mailing. Mark Zuckerberg isn't going to put up a mailbox in every, in every corner in the uh, Mexican side of town where they're all <laughs> legal anyway. That's all gone in the state of Georgia. Uh, next on the list is going to be the state of Arizona. Then we've got to fix Pennsylvania. You know, the, Georgia, Arizona going to be the easiest lifts. Yep. Then we got to go to Pennsylvania. Then we got to go to Michigan. And there's a very real chance that we can have a lot of these states fixed in terms of restoring election integrity by 2022 and definitely by 2024. Now, that's a lot of work. It's not necessarily a fun fight. It's not what I wanted to be doing for the next year and a half, two years. I mean, I thought that, you know, we could that and I still believe that if it wasn't for Judas Iscariot and, uh, you know, there were some <laughs> bad people uh, surrounding Trump. I've heard I don't want to name names because I don't know enough, but uh, people can guess and they may be right. I don't I don't even know if I'm Defin right. But definitely the White House legal counsel. 
Oh, the white, yes, absolute losers. No, they were utter and complete morons. No interest in seeing Trump winning. That is a slam dunk. But even outside of the White House, the campaign legal counsel, I mean, what are some of these guys doing now? Some of them have just faded into obscurity. Some of them are now on Fox News. And what were you doing when, when I was getting two hours of sleep a night trying to save this presidency and you guys are now, you know, getting your cushy $120,000 a year, work five hours a week at Fox News gigs? It's disgusting. Yeah. But... Um, you know, there, there's ways out of this, and it starts with going local. Arizona is going to be an easier lift because we got a, a brilliant woman by the name of Kelly Ward reelected yep. as chair of the GOP. She's a beast. Uh, it, She's yeah, a beast. and now, by the way, this is breaking news. It just came out an hour or two ago. We're getting ready to get it up on national file as I speak. They, uh, the, the the loser, this guy who like has has he he allegedly passed a bad check. He drives without a license, without insurance, without registering his vehicle. This guy is like the worst poster child you could get. But he speaks Spanish, and so therefore they wanted him to take Kelly Ward's job. Now the GOP establishment in Arizona is trying to come back and take Kelly Ward's seat and give it to this clown. So it's an ongoing fight, but these are the type of fights that we can do because if Kelly Ward has control of the state GOP, she has a lot of influence on where that money is spent and she's not going to give it to imbeciles who aren't willing to pass election integrity in the local state level. And these are, especially in a state like Arizona and even in Georgia and even frankly in Michigan and and, and West and, you know, Pensatucky, the area in (laughs) Pennsylvania between, uh, uh, what is it? It's between uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, which is basically, you know, the South, uh, all of these places, it's going to be such an easy lift because these are elections with like a thousand votes. You can go get a real person who has been vetted, who we can trust, who we know is going to restore the election integrity that you know we apparently had in this country at some point. I don't know when, but uh, it, it's an extremely easy lift. If they won't do their job now in this legislative cycle, then they will be replaced next year, and we will get people in because again, you don't you know there's no room for any voting machine shenanigans when there's 300 people voting in the damn race. There's just not enough room to do anything with that. You can't have a a 600,000 ballot injection at 3 a.m. when there's only uh, 400 votes in the race altogether. So that is a very promising way that we can absolutely unfuck the election system and have real elections again going into 22. And if we can't get it done by 22, definitely 24. I think the real thing to – to do is to keep an eye out on these big new people. And then also, I mean, we've got to, you know, I hate to say it, but we've got to keep Trump honest. Um, that's going to be the main thing. You know, I love the guy. I think he's, uh, just in four years, the best president that we've had in probably close to a century struggling to remember when Teddy Roosevelt was in there. Um, but it was clearly one of the best, one of the best we will ever have, maybe the last great president we'll ever have. But his endorsements have been abysmal since leaving office. While in office, they were abysmal because Mitch McConnell was in charge of it. Now that he's out of office, there's no reason for him to endorse people like Jerry Moran in my state, the senator who blamed Trump for the erection or the insurrection or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, or or uh, uh, what is it? The, the, Rick Scott, yeah. another horrible endorsement. There is no reason for this unless somebody is getting a very, very rich by exchanging Trump's endorsement for contracts, for money. I don't know what it is. So we've got to keep Trump honest. If he wants to run in 2024, he needs to be able to fight. And frankly, I think it is uh, great that Ron DeSantis is stepping forward as a likely 2024 contender. Uh, Matt Gates will be unless they take him out. There's a new effort that we just published a national file to call him like a sex trafficker of all things. I saw that and I actually saw his rebuttal to it as well, saying that 
his family was working with the FBI to kind of ensnare or entrap people in regards to that narrative that the mainstream media is pushing right now or breaking 911. I saw it on the way over here. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, the guy, like he, he, he had money, so he took his girlfriend on a flight and I guess that makes him a sex trafficker. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I am very glad that we have all these contenders coming forward. Um, now there is a bit of a scare that they're going to just divide the populist vote and allow the GOP vote to end up picking the winner. But I mean, I want Trump to have to fight for us like he did in 2016. There were some moments in 2016 that if you remember, uh, people were like, whoa, am I back in the wrong horse? And I'll give you an example. In South Carolina, uh, uh, regarding Nikki Nimrata Nikki Haley, who mm-hmm. uh, famously took down the Confederate flag, now she's back. She wants to run for president. Of course she does, after, after saying that we never should have followed Trump. Mm. But uh, when she took down that Confederate flag and started getting rid of the Confederate monuments, Trump first said, you know, I think it's fine. Put it in a museum, put it somewhere people can go visit it. But I think it's fine. We need to get rid of these things. And, uh, and then the backlash was insane. He felt it at rallies. He felt it on Twitter and he did a 180 degree reversal. And now he wants to protect our monuments. You know, one of the last things he did was create a new, uh, uh, place where monuments could be preserved in the national mall. And so, it's going to be more difficult. They, they, when they took away his Twitter, they didn't just uh, remove his ability to communicate with us. They removed our ability to communicate with him. Right. And so until he starts doing these rallies, you know, I'm a little bit concerned of what we're going to be seeing from the guy. And I think we need to keep him honest. And if you have a combination of Trump on the ticket uh, or a, I mean, I hate to say it, but a, a competent successor who I don't even know who that is. I like DeSantis. I don't know if I like him that much, but if you have either a competent successor, maybe Michael Flynn or Trump on the ticket, plus we fix this damn election issues, then I think that the country may finally be ready for Trump after four years of Biden, uh, or, you know, a year of Biden and three years of Kamala, whatever it winds up being. I think that, uh, the country may finally be ready for him and we can get some of the big achievements we didn't see in the first four years. Yeah. I don't disagree with you on almost all those topics there. I like some of the names that you mentioned. We, we refer to him as, as Big Dick Ron on this show, and that <laughs> the state of Florida, we've, we've named Big Dick Ron Land, which is basically Freedom Land. I, I mean, it's, I, I know there are parts of Florida that are still Karened with masks and this, that, and the other thing, but for, for the most part, I, I mean, it's pretty, pretty much wide open. I have a lot of people who uh, I interact with on our social media who live there, and they show us bars, restaurants, the beatscapes, um, you know, and things of that nature that aren't it's like COVID doesn't even exist. And it's like you mentioned before, they keep pushing this narrative, the fourth wave, it's going to kill everybody again for the fourth time. If you haven't died, just here you a, go. A chance you We're might this time. The fourth wave. Holy <laughs> shit. Where was I for the second and third ones? Yeah, exactly. That never <laughs> I happened. mean, that's just, that, that's really what it comes down to. It's hilarious. And now you got Fauci saying there's a strain of the virus that doesn't have any symptoms and can't be detected, but keep wearing your mask anyway. I mean, it's so, it sounds like nothing. That's then. convenient. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> sounds, right. it sounds like a, air is the new coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never breathe air again. It'll be great. I um, wish Dr. Fauci, Fauci would, would take his own it. advice and yeah, quit exactly. uh, throwing baseballs. But, um, I, I, uh, yeah, no, I, it, it, and there, it's all failing. I mean, that's the important part here. I think that we were all asleep in 2020 and, and as they rolled this thing out yeah, we got all cozy. across the country yep. and, and then the shit hit the fan on election night and everybody was like, well, shit, crazy Tom Papert and Alex Jones and Patrick Howley. 
They were fucking right. They stole this thing out from under us. How the fuck did we let that happen? Damn. And so if people can stay in the fight, if they can keep their mind going a little while longer, which I know is difficult, if they can stay engaged and activated, I mean, it's it's insanely conceivable that unless we all wind up in concentration camps, I always throw that caveat in, mm. we can unfuck this country. Yep, I agree with you. I think all of us do. Um, before we let you go tonight, where can everybody who, who may not have known about you find you, whether it be if you want to give out any of your social medias, and if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's completely fine because, you, you know, you are a professional in your, in your day job. Um, but, but any of your professional, you know, coordinates like websites or, or companies anywhere that you want to direct our listeners to kind of check you out and, and find out the, all the great work you're doing on behalf of the American Patriots. I mean, I'll, I'll shill everything. If God Emperor Trump still exists, I'd shill it. And that's the beauty of National File is we are uh, insanely professional when we have to be. And when we don't have to be, we can have fun. So, um, no, I'm obviously nationalfile.com is where you can go to read all of my work and all of our writers' work. We've got some phenomenal people break some phenomenal things. The only reason they didn't steal North Carolina is because uh, we got the uh, text from Cal Cunningham where he was uh, uh, cheating on his wife with the wife of a U.S. Army veteran and the people of North Carolina turns out didn't like that and they still they kept North Carolina up in the air for like three weeks before they finally <laughs> gave it to Trump and Tom Tillis who is a total cock loser uh, uh, pussy but, sure is. <laughs> uh, but, but, it, but you know we kept it for Trump so you're welcome Trump I guess um, nice. but I never got a thank you from Tom Tillis but uh, so obviously <laughs> nationalfile.com is a great place to read our work um, you can also find me the best place to find me where I actually can still post memes and be unrestricted is probably on Gab just search Tom Pappard or the at is still at real God Emperor Trump. Uh, I'm, I, we have a Facebook page. National File has a Facebook page. God Emperor Trump. I made a new one. After three months, they let me make a new one. It's got like 1,500 likes and I'm stalled there, which, you know, what do you expect? There's God Emperor Trump Epic Gamers. G, I don't even remember what it's called anymore because they banned so many iterations. <laughs> uh, we have a Telegram channel that some of the guys made and I made sure to join. Where else can folks find me? I guess I am on Twitter. You're supposed to give that out when you're a super professional journalist. I'm at Real Tom Pappard on there. And I'll be honest, the place that I give the most of my attention, that I have the most fun, is Gab. And it breaks my heart because I Facebook was, in 2015, 16, and early 17, the best platform. And I wish that we could have fixed it. I wish that uh, uh, Paul Ryan wasn't in charge in uh, 1718. And I wish that uh, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell weren't in charge in, eight, in uh, 1920 because there was so much possibility there. We were having so much fun. But – I got to be honest, I'm having just as much fun on Gab and just as much fun doing shows like this. Oh, man. It gives me the uh, boomer sweats to hear, <laughs> hear some of those old handles for, for those web pages. And let me tell you guys, Nick and Noah, you may not be in the know of all of those you know pages that he's been referencing over the last almost hour now. Um, but those were one of the only places that I've ever gotten thousands of likes on a meme. And they were surely dank. <laughs> so I mean it, it goes and, and dank is north of spicy mm. just so you guys know so yeah. I, I send you guys spicy memes in our in our group chats just imagine what would be north of there yeah and now if you do it, it, you will be insta-banned. Yep. Yeah. And I try to post that stuff on Gab. I do because the beautiful thing is you can say all the forbidden words. You can make all the forbidden points. And if you're lucky, Andrew Torba, the guy who founded the website, will uh, will share, uh, share it. it. Yep, sure will. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, again, on behalf of the show, we really thank you taking time out of your busy schedule. I mean, the way you've made it sound, I kind of hyped you up coming in, but then when you say how it actually is going between your work and then the National File and InfoWars and maintaining a, you know, dank meme caliber to really having the time to sit down with us for almost an hour. Yeah, awesome. We appreciate it, and we we hope to have you back. And let's just say I'm going to put out a situation there. You don't have to say yes or no. If you laugh, we'll know what it means. Uh, you're going to go on InfoWars, and Alex is like, I need three people, Patriots. Uh, they have to be in the know about memes. You, you know, anything I say that they'll, they'll pretty much be into. And, and if, you, if you just by any chance fall into that situation, now you know three people who would be more than willing to uh, appear with you. <laughs> the laughter isn't a no. It's because of the setup. Um, no, no, I think it'd be fun. In fact, I may... Uh, because you guys all come in via the same Skype and you got a webcam right here. So sure maybe do. we could work something out when I'm guest hosting sometime and have some fun. No, absolutely. And it's, yes. uh, it, it, it really is like a, uh, a pinball machine going back and forth between all these things. And uh, no, I think this is fun. I'd love to come back. Let me know when this is, uh, when you guys get it all produced and, and the website I can plug and all that type of stuff. And I will put it on Gab and hopefully uh, hopefully we can get some nice synergy flowing. Nice. That'd be epic. Tom, that would be awesome. Again, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come yeah. down and talk about all the happenings with us. And we for sure would love to have you back on in the future. Well, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful night. You as well. Take care. Well, that was pretty amazing. I mean, I think it was really good having Tom on the show for the first time. Sounds like he's going to circle back with us. Yeah. And uh, he promised us an InfoWars appearance. Didn't promise, but he didn't say no. Um, I'll take it as a promise. Imagine in studio with Alex Jones. Oh, that'd be amazing. I think I would probably lose my mind. Or or hit the button on our soundboard for Alex Jones. Nick would end up with the shirt off next to Alex Jones. I'm kind of retarded. Be honest with you. (laughs) He isn't. Um, but if you weren't fired up in regards to all the stuff that Tom pretty much discussed with us enough yet, joining us via remote today on the Steak for Breakfast podcast for the very first time are two of more, the most conservative ladies in conservatism around today. I would say they were probably not going to talk about any of the pluses that the Biden administration has accomplished over the last you say any of the pluses? Like yeah. there is some. That's probably there's, a conservative There's not estimate. any, and yeah. these ladies will confirm it for us. We have Bella, who's the Red Pill Babe, 1776 on Instagram, and Natalie Denise. Welcome to the show. Hey. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm so glad that we finally were able to get coordinated and put something on a calendar. <laughs> Wait, and are you guys sure you're ready for both of us to tornado up this podcast? Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you guys are ready because we're we're feisty Latinas and we can get pretty hype, you know. You know, <laughs> when I jumped in your guys' Instagram live last month and we had already talked to Bella about coming on, mm-hmm. um, I really did think about how crazy you guys were on that Instagram live before I finally asked my question: Will you come <laughs> to Steak for Breakfast podcast with her? <laughs> at the end of the month so but no i kind of i think our fans we've had some i would say we have a whole bunch of different kind of guests on here you know not all of them are truly conservative some of them aren't trump supporters Mm -hmm. and 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 go you know counter to the narrative that our show is but we'd like to give our audience that broad you know at least make you think and go out do your own research Mm -hmm. but i feel like they almost deserve this after the kind of a downer you know it's been since january 20th and uh, yeah nothing could reinvigorate this show a little bit more than you two ladies tonight. 
Well, we're ready and we have a lot to say all the time. So all the time. (laughs) Okay. So so just briefly to get you guys introduced to our audience and I'll, and I'll start with Bill. What do you got going on right now? Um, What do you, what are you all about and, and what's been new in your end of the world? Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, just I've really been pushing the local fight, you know. I think that when you look at the strategy that has been used to infiltrate um, our government, because it's what's going on right now, we've been infiltrated by communists. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the strategies that have been used is they've been strategic in stealing one small piece of our country at a time, one, um, you know, one local city council chair, one governor, a mayor here, uh, you know, the center, they're there. And that's how they've taken over. And I am really pushing right now with, uh, you know, pushing for individuals to fight their local fight. Because I think if we all take ownership over our little slice of a paradise, then that's the that's going to be the hardest fight for them to fight against us. So that's kind of where it is that I'm working on. Other than that, you know, it's my ship posting on the Internet, trying to keep people's vibes high. Um, you know, I think that during these times, it's important to like also keep our energies high, uh, you know, have faith that no matter how messy it looks, this is war, war looks like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, there's still a lot to go, but I think there's a lot of hope and I, you know, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more, but. Oh yeah, we sure will. Um, (laughs) you know, and it's pretty funny that you bring up the ship hosting because like I I just mentioned, our, our, our previous guest that we had on today was Tom Pappert. And although he might be known now for the, being the editor-in-chief of the National File, as well as being a regular contributor on InfoWars, he was also the administrator for the original God Emperor Trump dank meme stash, um, going all the way back to 2015 when he had one of the largest Facebook followings, I mean, basically in the history of Trump memes and, and shit posting, And that's where a lot of the spice went down, you know, leading up to and through the beginning of the first Trump presidency before they really got into that whole big smacking everybody's groups down. And, and, you know, it got to the point to where any given day you could post a meme that would not only get thousands of reacts, but reach millions of users. And they just weren't having that anymore. And he was one of the top administrators there, you know, in the beginning of the good fight for all of us. Yeah, um, we, um, we went through that. We felt it. Oh yeah. We've definitely felt the, uh, wrath of the algorithms and the, uh, <laughs> Masters of the Universe for the last couple of years. So, Natalie, what do you have going on in your corner of the world? Oh, cheese and crackers, man. I have a lot. Uh, <laughs> where do I start? So, my biggest my biggest platform, um, or at least what I start, stand on, is uh, combating human trafficking. Okay. It is something that <clears throat> I have been shouting about for for the past decade um it's interesting to see the uh, transformation of the general public become more and more aware every single day of the fight and so um i personally run uh, the daily traffic which is a daily trafficking uh news account on instagram um but i i, I have a full plate right now and i'm trying i'm trying to get my podcast back up uh, with the daily traffic it's just daily news reporting on trafficking stories. And then, um, you know, uh, I think, uh, I, 
I adore, I adore Bells with her shit posting. Cause I'm like, I'm the same, I'm the same. I'm like, dude, these things are so hilarious. And, you know, I think we've, we've kind of gotten to a point where we're just kind of like just waiting and looking. And so the only thing we can really do is keep, keep the vibes high and um, keep people, keep the morale nice and um, up, you know? So that's what I'm doing right now, but I've recently refocused my personal platform uh, to also parallel with trafficking as well, um, uh, you know, trafficking awareness as well. Um, another thing that I'm working on right now is a Chris Cornell Chester Bennington documentary I've been working for months on, and it is such a huge documentary. Oh, wow. I, I, I've, it's a lot, but um, I'm really excited once I publish that. I'm excited for the reaction and for uh, people to learn a lot more than uh, what we're, we were fed with. So hmm. that, that uh, yeah, that's the, that's the tip of the iceberg, but um, I'm working on a lot. <laughs> Dan, I'm going to say it's, it's nice to hear you back in the podcast community. I've subscribed to your show and have listened to them all since you've come back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank really you so much. Solid content as always. And then, of course, we all subscribe to your IG page and, and follow you there. Um, I just want to get it out of the way and clear the air because there's so many people in our listening audience who absolutely love this subject and, and like to hear all about it. Um, and I'm just going to lead right into it. January 6th, stop the steal. Probably one of the biggest days, not for the insurrection wise, because every time we say it on this show, we laugh. Insurrection. Right. Not the biggest insurrection in the history of the world, excluding nine oh, 11 Disregard Pearl Harbor, um, (laughs) the Civil War, never heard of it, which was an actual insurrection. And the Black Lives Matter executive who actually bombed the Capitol before she went to jail and was pardoned by Bill Clinton. None of that stuff matters. It's an inconvenient truth. Right. A couple hundred boomers, a few people from Antifa and Black Lives Matter, um, and I'm air quoting now so our listening audience can hear, storming the Capitol. God. Um, staying within the velvet ropes while doing so. It was and, very orderly for insurrection. And then picking up trash afterwards, in addition to maybe stealing a laptop and, like we always say on the show, taking a shit in Mitch McConnell's office. But who wouldn't? <laughs> right. Besides any of that, greatest insurrection in the history of the world. <laughs> you both were there. We would like to know, and I'm sure all of our listeners would like to know, what was the experience like with you? Obviously, you both saw... Papacito speak in the beginning and we're there up to some part of it. But if you just want to briefly talk about your experiences and, and what it meant to you to be there, that would be, I think, pretty awesome to get this all kicked off. Yeah. So I, I think I'll start off. I think that it's really important to start off with expectations and kind of what we were expecting when we got there. Okay. Um, you know, I, um, I expected that, I think there was a lot of hope in the air that we were going to have this like big moment and the right thing was going to happen and they were going to allow the investigations to take place Mm -hmm. and they were going to overturn the vote. And, um, you know, they uh, they didn't. Uh, But, you know, I went in there already kind of expecting that that's exactly what was going to happen and that there was going to be a big statement made because... You know, you try to steal an election from from the people when there's millions of people. I don't care what number they told you was out there. I know that they've said, I've heard 500,000, 600,000. 
I know what millions of people gathered in a place looks like before. I've got festivals that I attend on a regular basis. I know what millions of people look like. There were millions of people out there. And, um, you know, I think that the idea was very much to send out a message where, um, and not so much send out a message, but a natural reaction to having your country stolen is that people are going to be upset. Uh, but to call it, uh, I guess that I remember when we heard the news, we were just, we hadn't even made it back to our hotel, Natalie. We were walking back from the Capitol to the hotel room and we start um, on Instagram seeing a conservative ink going in of like, I just, I, we disavow what it was that happened at the Capitol. Uh, you know, we want nothing to, to do with that. Um, that's not who we are. And I remember being so confused. We were just so confused. We didn't understand the reaction. We're like, that's not what that's not what just happened. That's not what we just witnessed. Um, and the narrative just ran. Uh, it, it, the narrative really just ran into this like violent type of event. Yeah. And I think that what we experienced was actually quite, um, quite different than that. Would you even call it patriotic? Uh, I, I absolutely would. I mean, it's a shame that any you know footage that i had of people singing you know the national anthem and uh taking pride in their country uh footage that i have of you know senior veterans being you know helped on to might i add hardly called an insurrection where there's a wide open entrance you know what we're talking about is there was a platform on the capitol and there was thousands of people that walked very carefully onto this platform um so you know it was just people coming together it's it's it, for their country it's their they felt like their country was being stolen from them and they wanted to unite after watching the last couple of months our country being burned down in protest of uh you know a criminal dying of a drug overdose as he's getting arrested. Uh, I think that taking a page out of that, people felt like, well, we have every right to stand on the Capitol building that is the house of the people. And somehow, you know, a couple of Antifa people broke some windows and, uh, you know, like you said, took a shit in McConnell's office. And that turned into, you know, the most violent event in in American history. Yeah. And let me say that, you know, when me and Bells, we, we went from the ellipse, which is where Papa T spoke, and we went through a sea of patriots. I think that was one of the most memorable things for me was like just walking through a sea of patriots. It was so, it was so majestic. Like you, it was like nothing but like patriotic flags and we were just walking through it. It was like, you know, they were just waving through. It was just like a really unique experience. So we went, we left early um, to walk over to the Capitol. And what I can say is um, it, it was almost like that. Like it was, almost immediate that we were starting to notice like there were some really sketchy individuals um i was walking with uh, our friend tj um yeah, teach the worst he's on instagram uh he was with us and uh we were we were all walking together and all of a sudden you just you just see this strange looking dude with the scruffy long hair dressed to the t with trump gear um but it, it was so weird, like when there was like a fleet of like police officers on bicycles and they were passing by. He was 
all alone in the street, by the way, just walking by himself with a brand new Trump flag and screeches out like, F you pigs. And we were just kind of like, kind of taken back. Like what? That's like, that's not us. Yeah. You're that's in the wrong place. People. Yeah. yeah. But he was, I'm like, but that's like, that's, that, that was just strange and out of place. Right. So later on learning that we, you know, that we were infiltrated with Antifa and people like the likes of John Sullivan, yep. you know, those type of people, it was like, Okay, that makes sense now. But yeah, Bells is right. Like every it was at, it was like a festival. Like everything was open. There was no guard. There was nobody telling us turn around. It was just an open free for all walk here. There was no barriers or anything like that. Um, and Actually, don't miss out the best part because they what? did open the show talking about Alex. And I feel <laughs> like that's like the behind the scenes that we have that no one talks about yes yes oh alex jones's braveheart speech well so we're we're over here in the lawn right and we're just chilling we're we're just waiting for things to like we we don't even know really know what to do we're just kind of waiting aimlessly on on the lawn and uh you know there's a lot of activity it's almost like a a where's waldo type of scene like there's so many different characters wearing so many different (laughs) things And then all of a sudden, me, like, uh, I, I don't know who shouted, hey, that's Alex Jones. And Alex Jones is like, like literally feet away from us. And he's with his megaphone there with his megaphone. You've got to go around the building. You've got to surround the building because everybody was just on the front lawn of the Capitol. And so it was Alex Jones who provoked the crowd to go around the building. I don't think a lot of people know that. That doesn't surprise me. Um, (laughs) Did he have a shirt on? I was just going to say, that was going to be my one big question. Was his shirt off or over his head? No, it was tight enough to make you question it. I didn't have it on. Body paint. It was painted on. (laughs) No, it it truly was. A lot of people don't realize that it's like, yeah, when I heard he was being investigated, I'm like, well, that makes sense. He like rolled up in his like, tank is two hype men and got the crowd hyped up to, to showed them how to get around the building because most of these people i mean i didn't know my way around the capitol building we're just kind of hanging out in the lawn not realizing that just a few feet away is a pathway towards some steps that leads on to the platform of the capitol that's wide open right yeah um so alex jones yeah I, i'm sure being in dc himself lenny uh starts directing people towards how to get on the platform and that's what set it off but i mean i'll go back to it like i said it's a there was a pathway leading up to it or maybe about six steps to get onto the platform um a lot of seniors a lot a lot like grandparents out there it was was crazy because you're experiencing (laughs) and you're hearing people singing the pledge of allegiance i mean singing the star and spangled banner and you hear the flags are waving and there's there's crosses somebody put up a cross and it was just this um you know it was it, it was powerful it was powerful and yeah it was equally sad when you realize that your country is actively being stolen from you but to see that response and uh you know i remember when we were amongst the first people at the Capitol because we had left earlier. And I, I I recall when, you know, you heard the first window break and that it was a lot of patriots just kind immediately, like Natalie just explained, patriots were out there aware that the potential of being infiltrated was 100%, right? Yeah. Like we knew Antifa was going to be out there and we know the kind of behavior that doesn't, uh, it, it, you know, that's not, uh, it's, it's not normal of, of, of our people, 
Mm-hmm. So when you see somebody try and break a window at a Capitol building, yeah, it sets off red alerts that it's like, that's not somebody that's uh, here for the right cause. So I think that there was two kinds of people there. There was the people that were down, uh, you know, to vandalize the place. And those are the, the clear shills that were out there. Yep. And then the, um, you know, the, the majority of which were patriots, which were unfortunately when the narrative was hijacked by both the left and the right. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, the left said that we were all terrorists and, you know, white supremacists, insurrectionists. And then yeah. the right turned on us and called yeah. them, you know, avowed what it was that had happened at the Capitol when truly it was just patriots wanting to be heard. And That's let me also... Let me also comment that that was a very pivotal time for us and how how we were able to sift out the true ones. Right. right. So it's like it's like, do you write on truth or do you bow to the left? Like, what are you going to do? And a lot of these a lot like Bell said, a lot of these mainstream MAGA Inc. personalities not all like uh, actually Brandon Straka. Uh, I don't know that he's. Oh, I, I spoke about him today. I needed a appreciation for Brandon. Oh, he he is so appreciated. He he went out there and he said the the thing that was on our minds. I didn't know that 1776 was about braiding hair and you know bowing to the left and saying that like we're so shocked. Yep. Like I'm sorry, but I didn't think that that's what 1776 was, and that's our confusion too. It's like. We went out there to voice our voice our concerns, to to stand together and to visibly see patriots who loved our country and who were aware of everything that was going on um, in, in regards to the election and you know all the corruption. So when you see these big personalities who are just like appalled and clutching their pearls, you know, like these right wing personalities, it's like, dude, like, so, so you're not, so you're not writing on truth then because that's not the truth. Like, what's the truth? The truth is that this election was stolen. They certified a fraudulent election and um, we have right, righteous anger and we're rightful in our emotions to, to voice our concerns. So when you're turning on your own people, because the mainstream media somehow manipulated you to do so, it shows us who, who is truly standing, who is not. So in a way, thank you, you know, uh, January 6th, because it exposed a lot more, even, you know, I'll go a little further. It even exposed the church too, because it's like, you know, those, those churchgoers who are like, you can denounce the violence that happened in January 6th. I'm like, you weren't there January 6th. So how do you know, you know, you're speaking about lies. Um, but it was a very pivotal moment for a lot of us patriots who are truly standing and having a firm stance on what the truth is. So, I thought that January 6th was, uh, it's a very pivotal moment, but it was also amazing to experience it personally. Yeah, and I think moving forward from that, there's not going to be a person in any kind of political spectrum that's going to be able to bounce back from attaching themselves to anything in regards to this movement ever again moving forward that disassociated themselves with what really happened on that day. And there was just a lot of bad actors there was a lot of choreographed events. Um, unfortunately, some people did get hurt, maybe even lost their lives. Yeah. But in a situation that chaotic, you can only expect there to be some kind of numbers. Um, but then when you go all the way up through what happened hours later inside the Capitol, the, the level of disappointment and, and cowardice probably even trumped what happened earlier in the day, pun intended. Um, you know, when Mike Judas Pence accepted his silver from the Secret Silver uh, Secret Service agent in the form of a challenge coin 
for confirmation of him agreeing to not stand with the president and, and therefore certify a fraudulent election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. I, I think that whole day top to bottom was just an absolute disappointment. But like you guys said, an eye opening experience that will eventually it, it'll come back to get them. Number one, the, the people, I, I, I will tell you something about Pence though. Go ahead. Trump knew Trump knew he did. He wouldn't have gone. He, he wouldn't have gone out and said, well, I hope I'm not mad at him, but I probably think I will be or, or reference. No, he, I think he knew before that if, if I'm being quite honest with you, and I had actually spoken about it back in December okay. after the original tweet went out. Um, I think that he knew exactly what was going to take place. I think that he knew they were going to steal our country from us and then live. Um, he knew they were going to certify a fraudulent election. And I think that he figured, you know, they can delete and manipulate numbers on the internet, but they can't, um, you know, they can't ignore millions of angry patriots in D.C. as they steal the election. I don't think that, um, you know, the, the violence or anything like that was, uh, you know, was expected. And I and again, I, I use the word violence very uh, loosely because I saw some vandalism. But, uh, you know, to say that I saw violence was a, a very big stretch to what it was that I that I experienced while I was out there. Right. Um, I don't think I saw any violence. If I got to be honest with you, I saw vandalism, mm-hmm. not um, not violence. Uh, but with that being said, I do believe that you know it was really hard for them to ignore. And if you recall, he got deleted from Twitter shortly after that. Yep. And the last one of the last tweets that he got an opportunity to send out was after he had called off the National Guard. Mm-hmm. There was a tweet that immediately they took down, which said uh, something along the lines of "Never forget." Uh, never go home now never forget the state never forget what happened here and i think that you know that day whatever way it is that people want to look at it were people angry absolutely were people demanding to be let into the building absolutely but uh you know we are uh that's what americans have done we protect our we're going to protect our freedoms at whatever cost it is and if people were upset enough to just demand being led into the people's house because they were angry that an election was stolen, I think that, uh, you know, that was, uh, it, 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 it was the least that could have happened that day. I don't think that anything, uh, and I want to be careful of what it is that I'm saying, but, you know, like Natalie said, it was, it's righteous anger. It's justified anger. Mm-hmm. Imagine if something like that didn't happen during the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, wait, it it, it did. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. I also let me just uh, kudos to Bells because we were in our hotel room and like it. I think it was I don't know if it it was before it was in the morning. And she was like, I really think that he's going to he's going to certify this. Like she prepared my mentality. I was like, I told you at the airport as soon as you landed. Yeah, okay. So you did, yeah, you did it at the airport too. So she prepared. She prepped my mentality. She prepped. She she prepped me to brace for that, because I was probably meandering just like the uh, all the other people, you know, who right now are 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 sobbing and crying and and uh, gloating um, or uh, or sulking that you know this thing. But she, this thing didn't go the the way we thought. But she really prepped my mentality for that because I I don't know what. I, I was probably thinking the same as as the general cr- crowd that this this was going to be, you know, saved and all this. But now she was like, no, there's pro- they're probably going to have to, um, they're probably going to have to. S- I pressed you for the twentieth too. You did. <laughs> you did. She did. But I still had that sick feeling for the twentieth. I was just like, I hate seeing like 
them dr- dressed up in purple robes and like, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. but kudos to Bell's like that. She, that's not really talked about, but uh, she, in private, she braced, like, she was like, yeah, they're probably gonna have to do it. They're probably gonna have to do all that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It was because of her. I was like, all right, I'm gonna mentally accept that. <laughs> well, I mean, people just, just have to look at it from like kind of a cinematic point of view. I mean, you can make anything look like anything if you just make the camera angle correct, Whoa. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, 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 let's just look at it this way. You, you could take every single thing from the Q documentary all the way up through anything that CNN, The View, MSNBC, all those pieces of shit have put out is like their footage of the Capitol, whatever. It's the tightest camera angle and a whole bunch of people's faces screaming, waving flags. <laughs> And they put dramatic music behind it. But yeah. then if you like look at the same exact thing, take it back a few years, not the same situation, but literally the same context. AOC crying through the fence. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you saw that picture and that was the only picture you saw, they gave you a narrative that said, this is the reaction that our elected officials take literally witnessing the crisis at the border. And then somebody eventually leaked the footage that she was in a Border Patrol station parking lot, and the only thing that was other, on the other side of that fence was all the BP agents' trucks. And there, was, there, was, there wasn't a migrant within miles of that place. Not to mention the lighting was, like, phenomenal. So, I mean, I would have... Li- it was yeah. like a perfect photo shoot. It looked like a magazine they got cover. got people with the little reflectors. Yeah, like, it wasn't like a cell phone footage where there's glares. Yeah. So, you, people have to just remember, when they get triggered or they think that something, whatever happened on January 6th was wrong or necessarily bad, evil, unlawful, and things of that nature, they, they need to take in, your, what context are you looking through? Are you looking through the lens of just what the media wants you to hear, just what the left wants you to hear, just what the cowards on the right want you to hear? That this was bad and it never can happen again, so listen to everything we say is true. It must have been true. Everyone certified the election. Mike Pence certified those certifications from the states, and now Joe Biden is whatever the fuck he is. Demen- dementia? Right. <laughs> but at the same time, it, none, none of that is true. Every single one of those state legislators in, in the states that objected to it, um, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, they, they all said, this is fucked up. This is not right. And there's bad shit that happened here. Yeah. Isn't enough to swing the votes either way? We don't know, but we should look. No, don't look. People voted. You're going to disenfranchise someone's constitutional right? Who gets to ex- exercise that constitutional right without yeah. the same... Right, that we're gonna make you a year from now need, which is have an ID to go get a vaccine for something that's untested for a virus that we're gonna make up to take away from this narrative. That's racist. Right. How dare you? It's just that people people need to think. You're you're being told certain things. Like there's almost 30 states right now in the U.S. that are wide open, no mask mandates. Kids are back in school. Things are open. And then there's other states where a majority of the blue people vote. You're talking about like Illinois parts of Pennsylvania, obviously New York, California, and places like that, where they make you think like the way your life is so shitty in those places because everyone's still locked down, wearing 17 masks, your kids aren't in school, and there's migrants with the Brazilian strand of COVID everywhere. Like that's the way, (laughs) literally, that's the way they want you to think the rest of the United States is like, we live in a border town, we live right on the you know edge of where the supposedly, and I'm air quoting migrant crisis the same way I am January 6th, because it's not that the migrant crisis isn't bad. It's just the way they're making it sound yeah. is not. It's like a direct, um, you know, um, it goes against each other. But the, but the thing is, they make you think that, like, the people who live in these shitty states 
is the actual flow, the vibe, the heartbeat of America and when it's not. When I think the hard part, and we've talked about this numerous times that the, you can zoom out on like a macro level and you talk about people not being educated about the election fraud, talking about Biden not keeping any of his promises because he's a liar and he's a puppet. Talk about Kamala Harris's criminal rap sheet because that's what it is. She has a criminal, she should have a criminal rap sheet. Um, the corruption within the Democratic Party, all the way down to like the conspiracies, and I'm that's an air quote of like um, Jeffrey Epstein, Glenn Maxwell. Like the last two years, if you were to just zoom out, the people on the left habitually one don't do their own research, two always endorse whoever the mass media tells them to endorse, and they're not educated populists, especially our age group. Those your age group, my yeah, you guys are a little older. My age Thanks. group. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, my age group <laughs> refuses. If it's not on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, it's not a valuable like news source for them. Well, and they have no interest in actually being and informed. And that's the key is there's no interest. So it's not even like, like I'll sit down and talk with people and I'm like, don't you think the election was stolen? And they go, well, what do you, why would you think that? And I'm like, what? why would you think it wasn't stolen? What makes you think that that was right? Like when's the last time it took that long for us to get a solid result? On election. Right. So I, I, ed, uneducation on our, my generation's part from the left is astronomical. And then when you try and educate people, they're not interested. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Well, They'll run away and slam the door. Where comes in. Exactly. That's where the spiciest memes come from. Spicy. Mm -hmm. So humor, humor is one of the best weapons. Oh, it sure is. I mean, I mean, I've, I've been a shit poster for a really long time and, and, you know, it's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. I hope I don't ever age out because it's something sure. that sometimes keeps me going. <laughs> and, um, real quick, and before we get into the news that we're going to cover uh, over the course of your being on our show today, um, let's weigh into, and I, I'm just trying to get everybody's uh, feeling on what you guys thought about the HBO documentary. That, you, you know, know what? That's almost everybody's initial yeah, reaction. Disappoint. Um. Well, I mean, I don't. I have zero expectations of mm -hmm. anything mainstream presenting uh, the Trooper movement in any kind of positive light whatsoever. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think the idea is always going to be to make us sound absurd, crazy, off the wall, so they get you know. Uh, they, they they go around characters. They create characters out of. Uh, to represent the movement. They'll never interview people with real jobs. They'll never come talk to, uh, you know, the regular working American that believes in this, uh, you know, idea. So whatever, I think that, that it's BS. I think it's BS like anything else that they put out. It's just a way of uh, manipulating the fact that they know that it's gain speed. They know that it's everywhere. They can't control it. So the documentary is just a way of shaming people uh, that are curious or considering it uh, or standing right at the edge of starting to look into the movement. Uh, I think that that's what the purpose of the documentary is, just to shame people. Or might even feel let, let down by the uh, instances that have happened over the last half year, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, good, uh, it's a good way to disconnect people who are just barely hanging on when they when they, you know, they might go and watch this documentary and be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm not look at how stupid they're making it look like. That's not the way I felt originally. And now I'm, I'm demoralized, which is the only tactic 
they basically have left besides canceling. Which is, you know, I think that unfortunately that's what we're seeing right now. People are demoralized, right? I see, yeah. um, I, I, I talked about it a little bit today where it's like, what the hell? Like we've got the president of, or the, you know, acting creepy and sheep right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sharing, you know, going out and openly telling you, I don't care what the states are telling you. I'm going to tell the states what to do. Yep. So hello, dictatorship. Um, I don't care that you guys want ID to vote. I want you guys to have a vaccine passport and that's what we're getting. So there goes any kind of the privacy to your health or, 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 or anything like that. So this guy's out there going out there and being really bold. You know what I mean? And I would have hoped that people would have been a lot angrier than they are right now. And this was, uh, you know, something that Natalie and I have talked about in the past is that uh, the individuals that believed in the Q movement are a marginalized community within conservatives. Yep. So, uh, you know, the, this idea that it's like, oh, Q kept people docile or whatever it is. Number one, no, it didn't. I was in D.C. Where were you? So yeah, exactly. that's a native life. Um but more importantly than that, it's like, okay, so uh, the, the, the believers in the movement made up what, like a marginalized 10, let's say 15% of the conservative movement. Where the hell are, you know, the other 85% of conservative Americans that just watch their country be stolen from them in a fraudulent election are watching a, uh, 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 a takeover of our capital uh, uh, watching these communist policies be implemented, where are they? Why aren't they angry? Like, say what you want about the people in the Q movement, but I'm more upset with conservatives in general allowing mm -hmm. their country to be taken from them. Today, I made a comment under a post talking about the George Floyd, uh, you know, clearly they started the, they're, they're gathering outside the courtroom right now. And I said, you know, this is why we lose because what we should all be doing is we should be gathered at the border right now. We should be protesting at the border every weekend, just like they did, protesting that this is happening, but we don't do that. And, um, you know, somebody commented back, it's like, oh, well, we can't do that because we have jobs. And oh, it shows uh, how disconnected uh, people are from the, the very active fight that we all need to be having uh, as we face the world out there to save our country. I'm not going to save the country ship posting. Right. I might save Miami with my active work that I do here to preserve my city, but I'm not going to save the world ship posting. It's going to my ship posting should inspire you to go out there and save your little piece. But I see that there's a lack of involvement right now. People don't uh, people aren't angry. I don't think people are angry enough. I don't think they're appalled enough. I don't think they're scared enough. Mm. So, you know, this time last year, I would have told you there's hope there is. And I do think that there is hope. But I'll be honest with you. I want people to black pill. I want people to be scared. I want people to be angry because I'm not seeing enough of that. And therefore, there's uh, there's no opposition right now. It's just like, yeah, just let the globalists take over. And that's what's going to become our reality. When I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, because it seems like the leftist agenda is not just throwing stuff out there to pass. It's seeing how much leeway they can get. Yeah. And there's, there is not a lot of fight in conservative, especially in the young conservative movement, mm -hmm. where I feel like people were on fire for Trump. And then when everything happened, the election got stolen and Trump kind of went in the back burner for the time being. Everyone was like, wow, that sucks. 
I guess I'll go back to my life. Yeah, and, and the frustrating thing for me is like now we're seeing tangible policy put in place that's literally gonna like derail the blue collar American. Like the fact that Joe Biden is trying to put in an executive order to mandate gun control to the point where he could have basically warrantless gun confiscation and people aren't freaking out about that. Would that be a no knock warrant? Hey, yep. but it's the, it's one of those things is like, even if you're not pro gun, like, don't you think that that's an infringement? Like he has not even been in office for three months Yeah, and he's already trying that. And it's like, what do you think he's going to do if he, if this guy legitimately has four years? Like, it, this is the first thing he's trying. Where do, where is it going to end? And like you said, people are just like, well, uh, well, my, it doesn't it doesn't even my, matter if he's in there for the full no, and, of time. No, and he's just an example. I yeah. mean, it's really not even him pulling the strings. He's just the one sounding off the pictures that are put on the teleprompter for him. But <laughs> like, I, I'm telling friends like, hey, aren't you guys like freaked out about this? Well, what are we going to do? And it's like. Well, sitting at home watching ESPN for seven hours is not going to fix it, right. you know, and and I know our podcast, we try and bring the news like this is all something we're passionate about of bringing news to people and our generation like this is the only way they're going to get the news like yep. legitimately legitimate content, not a four minute clickbait article. Yeah. And it's one of those things is like there needs to be awareness like we need to start signing petitions or something like figure out how we can get involved in the local level of politics to where we don't have you know, 17-year-old boys identifying as a 12-year-old girl going in the same bathroom. That I'd starts vote. on the local level. I'd vote for you for mayor. Um, I don't know if I'd want that job. There, I think um, I'd get kicked out pretty quick. <laughs> body bagging people <laughs> yeah. on Facebook. Oh, you know, my PR team would have a field day. How much of the decisions and the, 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 the BS that we have to deal with on a regular basis, you know, when your kids... Uh, local decisions about the school board, um, when you can open up your businesses, mask mandates are actually decided by city council seats. Yep. And I've been doing a lot of digging, man. And it's really sad to see how many a empty city council seats are all over the country. B, um, city council seats, seats filled by Democrats that have run unopposed yep. for years. Yeah. For years, it's got, it's really gotten to the point where like I'm so deep in the research where I'm sick at this point because I realized that they didn't have to steal our country. We really gave it away yeah. by taking a passive seat. So my thing is right now, and you know, I, I am working with some local people uh, to, to get create something that we can then share and have people just recreate that model where where they're at to create resources for people that maybe want to run for politics and had never considered it because they just think it's a complicated process. And it really isn't. Um, if you don't want to run for politics, that's fine. How to, how to hold local leadership accountable. Most people don't even know who their city council person is, like for their district or who the chairman is. They don't know anything. Who's like operating the, the treasury? Who's on the, the top of the purple courts? So how are, you, how are we supposed to... Uh, correctly live in a system that requires checks and balances requires us to hold our, our politicians accountable when we don't know how to do that mm -hmm. so i think that a, a big focus right now is in in learning how to do that how yeah. to hold your local decision makers elected officials accountable so yeah i'm, I'm pushing full throats for that like i want my city council person for my town for for my little area 
Like I, she can't even pick what what day they're gonna pick up the recycling without having me involved in the decision. That's yeah. where I want to be. No, that's a, that's actually a really good point. And Amazing for anybody who thinks that that she's just blowing smoke or or maybe getting into politics is something that is harder than an average person could get into. If if you did a little bit of research, like it's something we always tell you to do on this show, is you'll find that there are more multiple um, term dog feline mayors in the United States than you would think. There, there are several of them. So what? Where either a cat or a dog is the mayor of a small town somewhere in America, elected by the people to serve as the mayor. So if you think that getting into politics is something that's hard... There's a golden retriever somewhere in the Midwest. <laughs> would beg to argue with you, right? In a town of about 35 people, will probably tell you it doesn't doesn't take too. too and much. it can talk. It doesn't talk. Oh. It's, it's an actual dog. That's like a shame. like they have a city council that does all the, yeah, 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 the work, yeah. and it's kind of like a gag of the town. But democratically elected, they put the dog on the ballot. Dog won every couple of years. The dog wins re-election. It's amazing. Yeah. Another another aspect to all of this, too, is also driving our own economies, you know, uh, and I, 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 I adore Bells for, you know, taking that and driving it. We actually have to take our hands and we have to actively get our tentacles into the system. Right. So when it comes to economies, for instance, uh, I had an epiph- I don't know why it was an epiphany as recent as last week, but I, I was going to Starbucks and as soon as I walk in, she, put on a mask. Like it was really rude. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? What am I doing spending my money on, on these corporate bullshitters who, who I'm a consumer, like I'm a customer, you know what I mean? Like, so are you, uh, so I did a pivot turn and I I had an epiphany. I was, and I don't know, uh, again, I don't know why it was as recent last week, but I was like, why am I not buying Patriot coffee? Why am I not going uh, uh, find, actively finding the, the Patriot roasters in the USA and having them ship me coffee? I can grind my own coffee. I can make my own coffee. I can cold brew my own coffee. Why am I not doing that? We need to, we need to create our own economies. We need to create this system for ourselves. Um, you know, uh, Amanda Ensing, a recent example with the beauty industry. Yep. Um, you know, she, she's, she's out you know, probably going to start her own line. That's what we need. We need, we need our own economies where we fuel each other and st- starve these corporations, starve these big um, companies by our dollars. We need to start our own uh, economies as well paired up with the politics, the politics aspect of our, our local governments you know when we do that paired up with each other we can we can truly make we can make that difference we're a big number at least 80 million maybe a lot more yeah probably a lot more we can do that and you know to piggyback off of that another point is uh you know january 7 my dad called me and uh my parents uh my, my, I'm a first generation uh, American. My parents are immigrants. They immigrated from Cuba. They mm-hmm. left communism. So my my grandparents, my grandfather was Alpha 66 opposition to the Castro regime. He was assassinated and my grandmother was a political prisoner for fighting against. So I come from a long line of, uh, you know, anti-commies. So uh, with that being And said, knowing what's dad, up. And knowing what's up. Yeah. So my dad called me on January 7 and he was really concerned about the page because he realizes that I am not anonymous and that I am very uh, loud about my views. 
And he sees the writing on the walls that we are being taken over by communists. And because he's lived it, he, uh, you know, he worries. And he gave me one piece of advice. And his advice was leave your heart at the door. And if you're going to play, you got to pay by their rules. Because if not, you'll lose. And if you don't leave your heart at the door, they'll use your heart against you. So all that to say the following. I've seen more gun shops popping up on the uh, all over the country saying that they will not sell guns to liberals. Right. If you voted for democratic policies, I, as a private business owner, the same way that everybody else has decided to do what it is that they want to do, right? If they want to push their one bathroom or, or their, you know, their flags or whatever the hell it is that they want to do with their businesses. I, as a private owner, have made the decision that I don't want to sell guns to liberals that vote for laws that infringe on my second amendment. Yeah, And I think that fighting back with that kind of logic is what we need to do more of. Absolutely. I 100% yeah. agree with that. And, you know, like you began to state and, and went into in depth, hitting them in the wallet is the first place that they start to notice. Mm-hmm. And right when they start to notice that, if we're already getting back to the grassroots level of local elections, city councilmen, mayors, school boards, and things of that nature that have gone, you know, to the Democrats for years, almost unopposed, maybe by the time they catch on to the plan, they'll, it'll be too late. So for us to kind of strike back out of all the yeah. stuff that's going on. So, I mean... It, it's so sad to see people just go back to sleep after literally having the highest office in the land, which in turn is yeah. their country taken away from them right in front of their eyes. I mean, Donald Trump called it a year ago. I, I mean, he literally would go on to his rallies and say, oh, man, I hope they don't show up in the middle of the night with truck full of ballots and try to swing it the other way after I'm so far ahead. It's mathematically impossible. Time machine. I sure hope they don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> sure would be a shame. Time traveler. He still might have access to that. Nikola Tesla technology. I don't know. That's a, that's for a different episode, not for this one. But I do want to get into some. Oh, you got to have me back for that episode. That's my favorite topic. All right. All right. <laughs> we surely will. Um, getting into some of the stuff that's hot right now. We're, we're looking at the um, Derek Chauvin trial. It's just starting. Who knows how long it's going to take? And like you said, the mobs are already forming. And the narrative that's kind of going around now is that democratically ran cities brace for the verdict in the trial. Um, experts, and I'm air quoting now, say that social justice uprisings following the death of George Floyd um, were merely a dress rehearsal for what's to come uh, in the next month or so. Basically saying that it's also kind of like we're at the point with COVID right now to where like so much other stuff is going on, implementation of different administrative policies from the White House. You have... The vaccine already rolled out, whether you believe in it or not. Nobody on this show does, so feel free to talk shit about it. None of us are getting it, and neither are our children. I might have to. never know. That's forced for your other job. Yep. Um, But we're to a point right now to where you have to almost get back onto the Democrat narrative of relying on the government, not just for stimmy money, because we're heading towards the midterm elections now in a few months. So what's going to happen is someone's going to come in and kind of fan the flames of this reignition of riots after the verdict in this trial um, for basically what you've kind of already addressed at the open of this segment, saying that we all know and agree on what happened to George Floyd is unfortunate, but at the end of the day, he did it to himself. He was a career felon, an aggravated felon. He's robbed and threatened pregnant women at gunpoint, 
aggravated um, assault on people, noncompliance with police, armed robbery, um, in addition to all the other stuff, uh, dangerous drug charges. I mean, he was literally, if you define what a piece of shit person is, it was literally George Floyd as a person. I, he embodied it from start to finish. And he used a tactic that common criminals always use to try and get out of an initial detention. I can't breathe. Yeah. Um, I listened to Steven Crowder this week because he kind of did their, uh, they covered the opening part of the trial, right? So instead of doing their drinking game, they did a fentanyl game. They didn't do fentanyl. <laughs> they still drank. But basically, they had 28 times that he referred to I can't breathe from the start of the detention all the way up to the end when whatever happened to him happened. He OD'd on fentanyl. Well, aren't they saying that he, he tried to hide the, the drugs or swallow the... Well, well, they also have from the autopsy report the fact that he had disintegrated Percocets in his mouth in addition to whatever else was in his system was that he had covid he had an enlarged heart and a uh, pre-established heart condition. He was technically, by the book, morbidly obese. He had diabetes. <laughs> Chronic drug user. <laughs> Damn, boy. <laughs> Damn, boy. Uh, you know, th there were so many other factors going on. In addition to the fact that they already pulled in pretrial pages from the Minnesota um, police manual that show pictures of that exact technique being used in the sense of a non-combat, a non-compliant and combative subject. It's a tactic that they're taught in that specific department. Maybe not every police department nationwide. And that's what I was trying to explain to somebody at, at some point is like, you have to think about this from a legal perspective because a trial is based off of facts. The fact is that move, whether it's stupid or not, is taught in their academy. Well, and he was legally within his means to utilize that said Tactic. And that technique didn't cause damage that they're in, no. insinuating. No, and if you, if you watch the video, and the autopsy's already shown that that move did not cause death. No, and it, I've been it, choked out before in jujitsu. It's you don't last nine minutes. Well, and here's the point that Crowder made, which I think a lot of people either don't think about or maybe won't say. A career criminal would probably want nothing more when they know that there's no way out of a detention that's going to lead to them going back to jail, than for them to get choked out by a police officer. Go to night and wake up in jail. Yeah. Because here's the payday. thing. It At is the, the payday. Day, it's them. the least intrusive way possible to get the most dangerous situation de-escalated and to put the person that is committing the crime where they belong, which is back in incarceration. Now, why are they making such a big deal out of this is because they want bad police uses of force to continue. They want misfirings of a taser that lead to more people getting shot so they can continue to drive this narrative that the police are bad. They need to be defunded. And every time they do do something bad, you need to burn an entire city down. So I just think that like right now we're, we're, we're at a point and we're just waiting to see how bad the backlash from this verdict is going to be because they're screwed either way. Yeah, if he gets acquitted, cities burn. If he gets convicted, he won't be convicted enough and cities will burn anyways. Yeah, they're going to want to see him hung in the street. Right. Which is not going to happen. No. And I the, don't think the we frustrating do that anymore. part, we should with like pedophiles and stuff. Well, yeah. I've always said in San Diego, we have this famous area called the Gas Lamp. And it's right by Petco Park in downtown where the Padres play. And I would say every Friday, Saturday night, we just hung, hang public like pedophiles. Before everyone starts drinking and they're getting dropped off by Uber, it's like, hey, so before, gather around. Before Padre games. Yeah. Okay. We're going to hang this guy. He's a pedophile. 
And then they just leave them there. And then it's as you were. There's like a hundred bars in this square block. Well, I used to work there. Go for it. I don't. And hate then it. his body's just hanging there. And it's like this is a public example of what happens. I'm not against it either. That's why I wouldn't be a good governor. <laughs> I mean, what do you? Or would you? What do you ladies think? I mean, basically the Dems have hung one of the worst person you can ever hung social justice on and have made it the name to basically bring back government reliance moving forward when the Dems will come in to stop these eventual riots right before the elections. Just to remind everybody how important it is to have Democrats. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was actually talking about this the other day where I think that um, Floyd is just uh, was a trigger yep. uh, for a narrative that they had already been building uh, for all of Obama's presidency. You know, uh, he was he was the most divisive president and, and racially he, dividing president in the history of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you go back and and I think it was a a, a, a joint effort between uh, the administration and the entertainment industry and sports, because you saw a lot more of the social justice stuff start popping up. And, um, you know, I, I, I keep on getting flashbacks to Beyonce's Super Bowl performance or Black Panther performance. And, you know, it, 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 they had already fueled the tension in a sort of, uh, you know, pressure cooker. And then they, manip they mani manipulated the, the media. Well, the media manipulated what actually occurred mm -hmm. to use that as a trigger to get people upset. So. You know, with that being said, they were going to use anybody to do it, whether it's a, 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 a shitty trigger or not. It doesn't matter. They've been working on this for long enough where people are already triggered and they know that they can control masses by, you know, posting a particular video. I think that we already knew this was going to happen. If I'm not mistaken, the chart, they're trying to charge him with like first degree murder. So even like the charges are ridiculous because already yeah. going into it, you already know exactly what's going to happen because there's no, again, just the proof that it was uh, a move that was okayed in, 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 for for his area. Uh, you know that it's not going to happen. So I think that they're just, you know, using it as a trigger to create chaos because uh, they want to create confusion. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and the Dems are stacking their chips because do you think that at the end of the day, Pelosi and Biden and Harris and all these Dem Democrats we see on TV, you think at the end of the day they care about whether this guy gets tried or not? No. They don't give a shit about their own constituents. No. So at the end of the day, what George they're Floyd. hoping is going to happen is I am I would be willing to bet that they're hoping he gets off 100% so that there's riots fueled so that they can have that as a bargaining chip in their corner and fuel it and play it as a chess piece in whatever way they choose well, to. Well, it's a win-win for yeah. anybody on that side. The, the media... They win because they're getting all that traffic, all this clickbait, yeah. all these things are going to outrage people and make them want to, you know, read more of their stuff and get, you know, they get people thinking emotionally rather than rationally. And then I mean, with, I'll go as far. Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. I'd, I'd go as far as to say that even like the timing of when the trial is taking place is calculated. Yeah. yeah. I oh, think they 100%. were just holding on to that in their back pocket and just waiting for a strategic time. Well, and it's a it's a crazy like. In all honesty, you have to give it to the Democrats because they have had this thing well orchestrated for years. I believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and it, and the more that we've been doing this podcast, and the more research that we talk about, and the more guests we have on, 
in my mind, and this might be a personal opinion, but the word Democrat is almost synonymous with elite, 100%. Oh, yeah. And I know there's people in the Republican game that are on the same side. And when the insurrection, quote unquote, happened, we talked about that night we did like an emergency show and we were baffled at the amount of Republicans that turned their back on Trump, like live on TV. And we're like, this is one big, this is one big just conspiracy. This is one big group that split up into teams and um, pretended that they were on different sides. And yeah. so you zoom out and you look at the whole gun control fight and the false flags that are happening. And it's like, look, let's be honest. If there was right-wing conservatives that wanted to cause damage with firearms, yeah, it wouldn't be, be with one it. firearm with a 10-round magazine. Oh, you don't think if all the real Trump supporters in America who were there— It would be insane. If they were there— They would stop. have to deploy National Guard everywhere. Well, the National Guard was deployed, but— no. But I'm saying like, I understand in, like every neighborhood in every city in the country, there's right-wing people well, how many, who how love many, guns. How many firearms did they recover at Stop the Steal? Zero. I was going to say, I don't no. think there's any. Because number one, patriots no. aren't retarded. Number two, that's not what they were going there to do. No. If, 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 it was, if it was Donald Trump said, arm yourself to the teeth and report to the Capitol, dude, they'd still be picking up bodies. Because oh. that's yeah. just the way well, it is. It would be but, a big but, crime scene. But it wasn't that. No. And that's my point is that the fresh, most frustrating part is not being able to have a, a intelligent conversation with people. Yeah. And you go, do you not, why do you think the insurrection, like people just walked in. There was someone who, the boneless chicken wing that we always talk about that was meandering in her wheelchair. And it's like, imagine if someone like, I bro someone broke and into my witch. house. And the witch. Yeah. And the witch. <laughs> the witch. But imagine you tell them, dude, someone broke into my house and like, who was it? And then you pull up like your ring app. And it's like, this is the person who broke into my house. And, and they're like, like no. And it's quadriplegic in yeah. a wheelchair. Right. And she's controlling the wheelchair with her eyebrow or something. Right. And you're like, that's the person that <laughs> broke into your house. It's ridiculous. And you tell people that and they don't want to hear it. But then if you start to tell like all of your neighbors who are like-minded of you, well, this is the only person that's ever broken into my house. So this is obviously the worst breaking into my house that's ever occurred. Then what does it become? It becomes that narrative that they've been continuing to tell people for the last you yeah. know, several months. And, and it's just really sad and unfortunate how the... People who feed into the drive-by headlines yeah. who are uneducated politically or tend to stay on the sidelines without having yeah. real and a well, and a classic example of one not being educated and two not caring when it's your guy in office is the whole border crisis. Right. How many people in San Diego are part of this like pro-Latina Latino movement and they're all about um, brown pride? And I'm part Mexican. I I love my heritage on both sides of of my culture. But I had all these people on Facebook and Instagram that I grew up with and they're Latino and they're like, Trump's racist, this, you know, the border's a mess. And none of them have said anything since this crisis broke no, out. Well, it's because it's embarrassing when Nobody. it's your team doing it. And it's like, where all, where's George Lopez at? And where's all these what? celebrities well, George, and George all these Lopez was actually crap. was actually out eating dinner with Gavin Newsom and streaming it live on TikTok like two weeks ago while he, I hope they got food while they were still fucking locked down here in California. That's where they were. But that's my point is like people my age are like super brown pride and going to like Latino rallies and all this stuff and it's like you guys you're falling into the trap of exactly what they want. Oh yeah, well everybody and it's just that, blind voters. Everybody that I have on social media that was very against Trump and very just anything he did was wrong. It's now this guy, everything he does is right. And since he's not doing stuff that's right now, they're just taking pictures of their dinner again. Oh yeah. And that's back to, I can't believe A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez broke yeah. up. And it's like, you idiot. They're trying to take away your guns. 
voting is effed in this country as with it, it is with them proposing HR1 and trying to oh my uh, gosh. shove that they're down they're trying to throat. shove yeah vaccine shoving with vaccine passports. vaccine passports and it's like oh my gosh little whatever that do goofy black dude is it released the oh, shoes everyone's talking X, about it's like right. that's what you're concerned about that guy should like Nike should be banned from everybody for that and now they're trying to sue back and forth as a nightmare but that's like that's what you're concerned about right now they're literally voting rights is all jacked up yeah voter ID is not ever gonna happen there's people flooding into this country that are soaking up welfare and tax dollars and then we are like our guns are gonna be gone soon possibly negative I'm hoping yeah. that. I mean, come on. But that's my point is like... It's a lot of boating accidents. There's people that are just not educated and they refuse to educate themselves and it's frustrating. I mean, and to your point with the Latinos, like here's here's what's interesting. Like where are all the... Where are you opening up your, your houses and your apartments? Mm -hmm. You know, you care so much about these migrants, right? You care so much about all these kids. Uh, just the other day, it was reported that there was a, a foster couple and uh, I think it's called the CCDL, CCLD or something like that, uh, where they, they outreach and they find like, hey, how many beds do you have? They ask this couple if they have at least 26 beds. Like they're out there actively asking for, for these beds for, for these migrant children who are displaced, have no parents. And it's like, hello, Latino. Uh, what do they call them? The Latinxes, the oh Lat God. Latinxes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, where, where are y'all? Like, open up your apartments. Uh, you have an yeah. apartment? It's okay. Open up they your Section 8 housing and let someone stay on Go. the IKEA futon you have. Right. And you're not. But also, when you talk about but, that bed availability, you're, you're talking about here. You're not talking about Venezuela in like 2010. Hmm. You're talking about in the United States? Right. Wow. Imagine right. that. It worked out pretty good for Venezuela, right? Yeah. They're eating dog and birds over there and pigeons their money's literally in the trash can but mm -hmm. also to to just comment on what you guys were talking about with the the whole agendas i also find it very interesting that you know he he is like a freight train right now going on with his policies and trying to implement all this stuff but in the meanwhile what if if you're truly looking out for the uh, at the on the news there's also some counteractive news like they're uh, arkansas they, they just banned um what was it like the trans something today yep you know transports yeah and then there there there's uh there are arrests happening for local uh, election fraud so there is some counteractive things that are happening so it makes me question why are they going so fast and so sloppy it's almost as if like there there's something underlyingly counteractive yeah it's just something that i'm observing oh that's a really good point and um Moving on now, and we've already started to talk about it, it seems like it's infused in all of this conversation that's going on right now just because it hits close to home for us at least. And both of you ladies, because you're both very passionate about, you know, being involved in, in, in breaking up human smuggling and human trafficking, the crisis on the southwest border. Um, migrants continue to flood into the southwest border, and we're talking about the border along the states of California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Right now, in the last 32 days, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection and the Border Patrol have apprehended over 115,000 migrants. That's in the last 32 days. <laughs> Dr. Peter Navarro, who is probably one of Donald Trump's closest and most accurate assistants throughout the last two years of his administration, um, has hypothesized that there will be over 2.1 million apprehensions in the first two years of the Biden presidency. 
Migrants under the once MPP or Migrant Protective Protocol Program, which is if you came to claim asylum in the United States, under the program you would wait in Mexico in camps until your court date to when you can be turned over to the United States to get your verdict. If you're released into the United States, that's fine. If not, you'll be returned to your home country. Are now being allowed in full go under the current administration. Um, as, as I've already mentioned, CBP and Border Patrol are anywhere between 500 and 1,700 percent over capacity in all of their detention centers. Damn. Boy. Yeah. Right now, the cartels are raking in epic cash in regards of human trafficking because, I mean, everybody who's ever watched uh, Border Wars or human smuggling documentary will know there isn't a person that crosses, regardless of what country you're from or how rich you are, from Mexico into the United States without paying some kind of dollar amount to the cartels. So if you're talking that there was maybe a few thousand in the months leading up to January 20th, and now in the last 32 days, there's been over 115,000 apprehensions. Imagine how much the cartels are raking in in the human trafficking department right oh, an now. An obscene amount. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you don't think the price is hiked on their side. Yeah. Oh, you better get in now before things yeah. change. You get here, when the price border, is double. The only downfall to the border wall. We'll take an IOU. Is that it caused... The cartels to look at people and go, oh, the wall, it's so much harder to get over. Yeah. And they increase the price. So the price has been up since that happened. That's the only downfall I see to the wall is it kind of gave them a price inflation point. But this whole thing is out of control. Yep. And for those people who are not around a border town, what's happening now is these people are getting processed through the border usually. And then they get two weeks quarantine in a hotel somewhere and then at that point ice facilities are so full they're just getting released into the u.s and joe biden doing what he usually does which is take credit for everything that trump does by putting his own name on it got into an exchange with a reporter last week when hard pressed on why so many people are now coming to the border after a continuous decline over the course of the trump administration let's hear what he had to say look i guess i should be flattered people are coming because i'm the nice guy that's the reason why it's happening that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased, that, you know, that's why they're coming, because, no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28 percent increase in children to the border in my administration, 31 percent in the last year of, in 2019, before the pandemic, in the Trump administration. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens. I mean, that's just a flat-out lie. Facts. Those numbers are 100% not true. And even if there was any kind of a percent increase in the number of people trying to cross the border. It's not this percent. Leading up to this administration, they were going home. Or they were remaining in Mexico yeah. until they got their court date. And then a decision would be made on what's going to happen to them moving forward. Um, Which is fine because, let's face it, there's people that need legitimate asylum. Yeah, but now the and system is getting clogged and that's my, up that's with the everybody point else. Is, it's not a bad thing for people to wait. I mean, at, at this point, you have to, but we don't have the infrastructure to hold people here to wait. Well, and now court dates are what? Three and a half years out. The waiting, the waiting was cutting down on the fraud. The waiting was actually making it. So the people who have a legitimate claim for asylum, who legitimately need it because their lives are in danger, they're getting lost in the shuffle now. With the tortas that are walking from 
Honduras with Biden t-shirts on and chanclas. <laughs> well, I've, we all know they're getting semi-trucked up. There's no such thing as someone walking yeah, from anywhere. Yeah, dude, if I walked from here to New York, I would be a stick by the time I got there. These people are gaining weight on this journey. Yeah, that's a true story. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's really sad. And, and the fact, like we covered on last week's show, this is the first time in the history of organized immigration and immigration enforcement that people are being allowed in completely unvetted with no kind of monetization and allowed into the interior of the United States just basically free-for-all. Like, you're not getting a court date, you're not getting an ankle monitor, you're not getting anything. We're going to process you as long as you don't come up as some kind of a, a terrorist or something which over a dozen we've already apprehended um, since this border surge just started, just in case anybody didn't know. Yeah, a decent amount. They're, right. s- they're saying they're reporting like... One is too many. Yeah. In addition to dozens of prior aggravated sexual offenders <clears throat> um, and MS-13 gang members trying to get back in, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. So, funny, I read today... Uh, the administration is in talks with the president of Mexico to re-implement the migrant protection protocols despite no public announcement on this matter. Um, The Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy, like I just mentioned, was canceled by executive order by Joe Biden on his first day in office. However, high levels of the administration have been talking with the president of Mexico about re-implementing this. And here's the thing. We've also covered this. People who are crossing the border right now if you hear Southwest border surge and you live in North Dakota, what do you think off the top of your head? Who's coming? Mexicans. Mexican people. Mexican. However, fact B, the amount of people from Mexico that are crossing into the United States right now during this surge, Mexico is at one of the lowest percents of people. Yeah. Almost the lowest. Yeah. You have more people coming from Central and South America in addition to the Middle East, China, Russia, Ukraine. Um, and all of those hotspots, terrorist countries, Sudan, Somalia, um, Cameroon, and Nigeria, and places like that, in addition to Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and Syria. Russia. Um, did you say Russia? I did. The people who are trying to come in from Mexico right now, because they know of the established policies, just aren't. They've also tried like 100 times, most of those people. Right. So it's, it's not who we're letting into the country. It's, it's literally air quoting again, who we're letting into this country. So the people need to be in, in know on that. And I just think they're not. Like they see file yeah. footage of a whole bunch of what you would think are Mexican people in a detention center wrapped in like a tinfoil blanket and, and a couple little, you know, Hispanic looking kids playing. And they're like, oh, my God, like all these Mexicans are pouring across the border. It's not. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mexican military worked along the southwest border for – I think the last two years of the Trump administration and that, in addition to the embolstered policies and the wall, really led to that all-time low of border crossings. And now, because of this administration and the bullshit that Joe Biden has pulled since his first day in office, they're in way over their heads with it. And now they're dealing with, you know, three manufactured crises at the same time, the social justice uprisings, which are just about to come back, COVID, which they completely spun out of control, and now this. Well, and... uh Gun confiscation, false flag shootings. You could add that one to that. There have been a lot of those. What'd you ladies think about that that <clears throat> shooting out in uh, where was it the other day? Colorado. Yeah, the, the uh, and then Atlanta, right? Boulder. Right, the former Boulder. Syrian immigrant who appeared to be like a middle-aged white man. Isn't it weird that that happened? I don't know. Right after Biden bombed Syria. 
Yeah, like a nobody's after. talking about that. Talker, right? Remember, he was no, a white. Well, anything he was a white makes, male at first. Anything that makes him look bad, they're gonna just completely gloss over. And then they post his picture. And that guy's the farthest thing from white. Yeah. So you can redo that headline because. Can you imagine if, hypothetically speaking, Trump was still in office? He had just bombed Syria, and then a Syrian immigrant shot up wherever oh it was gosh. that he shot up. They would be blaming him. That would be the top story on every social media platform. Every news, CNN would be running with it like. 24-hour blame watch. Like. They'd still be well, well they it. were ready to run with it anyway. As soon as they thought it was a white person, oh, they yeah. were ready to tie it all the way back Some about news how Trump agencies, radicalized yeah. these people because that place in Boulder, Colorado, the only people who live in Boulder, Colorado, like in that part, are like rich yuppies and stoners. So for someone to like walk into a grocery store, like a Whole Foods, and, and light up 10 people is definitely out of context. And to be able to pin that on a white person and then Trump's apparent white nationalism... It would have been perfect, and it was so sad going back, and I screenshotted a lot of them and shared them in our story, all those tweets who said, you know, oh, look, another white person shooting up and killing all these minorities to, it doesn't matter where he's from. Don't you dare glorify the killer by saying his name when it was like yeah. three hyphened, you know, Arabic last names, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, come on, man. It looked like on, one man. of those random passwords that Google tries to generate when you create a new email or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, here's the other thing, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to the people that lost their life. It sucks. But at the same time, the people that keep pointing, like, these white nationalists who are gun freaks, and it's like, look, dude, I have a lot of friends who are not in law enforcement who are mm -hmm. just gun freaks who train a lot. And if one of those— Well, some of those people are trained better than law enforcement. That's what I'm saying. If one of those guys entered a grocery store and had 100 soft targets— Oh, yeah, done. It wouldn't be 10 people, like, and it's scary. I don't want to— like put that no, no. bad juju in there, but if it was white conservatives that were doing this, it would not be three people here, four people, ten people. It would be literally them just massacring people. And it's kind of sad to say, but and not to get too crazy in a conspiracy, but we talked about it a little bit last week with MK Ultra and all the craziness back in the eighties and seventies with the CIA and them brainwashing people to create agendas, just as like that was like a test pilot to see what they could get people's baseline of, of brainwashing is. And then you think about, aside from this new guy, Muhammad, whatever his name was, um, every other active shooter is like the same profile. It's some weird kid that was kind of going to school, didn't have any false like flags, and then out of nowhere he just went crazy. And it's any like, red flags. Any red flags. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things, is like it's the same kid, copy and paste, that goes postal, and it's like, does that not seem fishy to anybody else that kids from all these suburban neighborhoods who had no issues growing up all of a sudden go postal? And it's just one of those weird things. It's like, take a step back and look at the government has admitted to mind control. And I'm not saying we're not going to go full, like, down the rabbit hole on this, but it's one of those things. It's like, it's happened in the past. The mm -hmm. government admitted to it. The Democrats want gun control. The best way to do that is to push gun control after mass shootings happen. What better way than to, you know, formulate mass shootings as just, you know. Never let a good tragedy go to yeah, waste. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's it's back to my point that people refuse to educate themselves and they just believe what they see on Facebook. And it's like, take a step back, turn off the TV and look at the events that are happening and think for yourself. And even put yourself in the evil people's shoes. And like, if I wanted gun confiscation, what would I do? I would tell people that there's mass hysteria with guns and we need to stop that. And mm -hmm. the crazy people can buy guns, you know, and then you look at the voter fraud. What would I do if I stole an election and I wanted to convince people it didn't happen? 
I would repeatedly tell them it didn't happen yeah. over and over again. And the people that are claiming it happened are the ones that did the biggest insurrection, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then the people that have evidence against you, you censor them and deplatform them from every social media platform in the U.S. Yeah, and you take away their voice. And uh, then you have America just going, oh, wow, maybe, I, mean, I don't know. Hey, can you can you stop? This must be our, our, our like red, re-red pill show, and you're, you're kind of blackfilling right now. I just got super upset the other day when I saw Biden talk about he's coming for guns, and I'm like... Am I wrong in saying that Colorado has some of the strictest gun laws in the country? Nope. They do, right? That's uh, that. I think they're pretty strict. Yeah. Well, I know. Very yeah, Boulder. High, I know that the area that that happened has pretty strict gun laws. I don't think you can open carry at all. No. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So basically, the shooting proves that gun laws don't work, right? Well, well when it's it, just it, like it, Chicago every weekend, when like dozens of people die, and it's like we need gun control. And it's like, hey. You already you, have you it. Have gun control. Yeah, you, you can't buy a gun in the state of Illinois with a super ultra top secret clearance. Yeah. I mean, well, what you thing- need is like legitimate after school programs to keep these kids from going crazy and spend tax dollars on something that's not just food stamps, but pouring well, into the community. And they pushed two big narratives right after uh, that Colorado shooting. One was all over the news, and the other one was not so much kind of on the on the, on the dark spots of Twitter. The first one was that that this shooter was supposedly you know um, able to pass a gun registration background check, mm. which was fine because he had committed no prior crimes. Um, none of his uh, illicit behaviors were ever reported. I heard he had some outbursts as a high school student and stuff like that. You know, probably didn't come from the best home. Uh, but at the same time, they pushed a narrative like right underneath it that wasn't as much reported in the news that this guy had been on the FBI's radar for two years. So good job going and detaining people for like the last, what, three months now for knocking over a garbage can in the Capitol building or taking a shit in Mitch McConnell's office. Meanwhile, this guy who went and literally executed a whole bunch of people at a grocery store had been on the FBI's radar. That must be right up there with the Wiener laptop and and, and the Biden laptop. Um, And he was allowed to go be on their radar and buy a gun while he was on their radar and commit these crimes. It's just ex- exactly the same thing that we've been talking about for almost the whole yeah. show. It's the, it's the two narratives and double standard. And a side note, just, I would be all for stricter background checks. I'm putting a big asterisk on this for mental health reasons, but yeah. that, that term is so wishy-washy that the minute they go, we're screening people for mental health. We have discretion to pull people's ability I'm to buy a firearm. No. Yeah, that's, they're going to make up, exactly. like, oh, this is like, a That's literally going to be them vetting your Facebook and going, this guy's a white, right-wing conservative. We're not letting him buy guns. So from the mental health aspect off of the bat, it's like, yeah, mental, it should be an issue. If people have mental health issues, they shouldn't be able to buy firearms. But that is going to turn into such a slippery slope, and whoever gets a hold of that discretion is going to use it and abuse it to the nth degree. I mean, I look at it this way. There's so many people with mental health issues that already own guns. It, it's, it's, it's a hard no for me personally, because the people who go out and commit crimes in like these major cities, we're talking Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, New York on almost a weekly basis. These people do not have mental health issues when they go and just randomly punch somebody in the face or like those two girls that stole that Uber each driver's car the other day. You know, I don't, I don't think that they were suffering from clinically diagnosed mental health issues. They were just two rotten children who wound up killing a man while trying to carjack him. CNN said that was an accident. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, there's a video all over the yeah. internet that would prove it. But I just think that, like, when it comes to anything in regards to the guns, um, there should be reasons why you can't purchase one. That is what, like, felons and things of that nature. Yeah. If you own a gun and you bought it the right way and then you commit a gun crime or, or do something really bad, then there's reasons why you shouldn't own one. 
But besides that, if you have nothing, and just because someone doesn't like your Facebook, they report you, and it turns out to red flag you, then that's an absolute hard pass no for me. Yeah. So guns are guns are guns, and, and it's in the Constitution for us to have one. And even if they pass any of these bills, it'll never be implemented because they'll sue it to the you know Supreme Court forever. And they'll volley it back and forth like they do with birthday cakes and things like that. Um, ladies, we got some stop the steal before we wind down here. That's always something uh, pretty fun to talk about. We've pretty much been talking about it the whole time. Um, it's kind of pointless to co- cover COVID because we really kind of touched on a whole bunch of that stuff. There is one clip I want to play, and I want to hear what you guys think about the CDC director who apparently um, broke script the other day to tell us about the impending oh, doom. Oh, yeah, this, Do we have to listen to that again? <laughs> I know. period. Hospitalizations have also increased. The most recent seven-day average, about 4,800 admissions per day, is up from 4,600 admissions per day in the prior seven-day period. And deaths, which typically lag behind cases and hospitalizations, have now started to rise, increasing nearly 3% to a seven-day average of approximately 1,000 deaths per day. When I first started at CDC about two months ago, I made a promise to you. I would tell you the truth, even if it was not the news we wanted to hear. Now is one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you will listen. I'm gonna pause here, I'm gonna lose the script, and I'm gonna reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, but right now I'm scared. Three historic, scientific breakthrough vaccines, and we are rolling them out so very fast. So I'm speaking today, not necessarily as your CDC director, or not only as your CDC director, but as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, to ask you to just please hold on a little while longer. I so badly want to be done. I know you all so badly want to be done. We are just almost there, but not quite yet. How stunning and brave. What do you ladies think of that eye-rollingly <sighs> narrative that she's in her head? No, I'm just like, okay, gross. Um, I, you know, how it's just it's so manipulative. It's so transparent. It makes me so angry that people can't see through that. How anyone who's ever held any position of leadership knows that you got to be in control at all times. So for her to very scriptedly go on there and, you know, uh, everything she did was just so psychological. It's such a, talking about MK just a couple of minutes ago, Mm -hmm. it's just such a (laughs) mind, like, oh man, the pause, the crying and I'm in fear. And then, you know, we, we, people love the, the feminist and then their and their communist ways talking about this is the type this is the type of embarrassment when people say like a woman should never be president. That's that's what they're referring to. That's what they're th- that kind of like outburst that's purely scripted. Um, it's insanity to me. It's gross. I can't believe I had to listen to that again, and I can't believe that. <laughs> you know, this is where we're at. This is what's being fed to people, and unfortunately, that's the stuff that. Uh, People who don't have access to alternate news sources are listening to, and they think that that's what's credible. 
And, you know, it's just another clear example of the globalists pushing their agenda on us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jesse Waters did a, a segment the other night about it being the Truman Show. And this yep. truly is the Truman Show. Everything is scripted. Everything is acting. Something that I did want to say about the Boulder shooting was that uh, there was, uh, you know, before I go into this this topic, was that there was a, a man who was interviewed for, with CBS or something like it was like C- CBS or CNBC. And the thing was just so weird. It's such a mixed reaction. It's like, you know, uh, the first thing you would think that this man would be concerned with is getting to his family, getting to his daughter, you know, but his first thing was, was shoving two agendas, gun control and the C uh, that I'm always, uh, I'm used to uh, code wording the the vaccine, but the COVID vaccine, he shoved both of those narratives in his interview and was not emotional, not one tear. And, um, you know, I just find it funny that, you know, the way that these actors don't even necessitate great acting anymore. (laughs) Um, Going back to her, it's. um, I I had I had something that that I was going to say while you were playing it. Gosh, darn, I'm losing my my thought train. But um, yeah, I mean, just like what Belle said, this is so disgusting it's it's so badly acted i mean everything is scripted everything is um literally the truman show and um that that's what they need i mean that's how cheap it is they need to put, shove these agendas back in our face i'm chuckling in texas right now and i'm sure bells is chuckling in in florida oh, so um, jealous because it's like you know we just had our our mask mandates relaxed just a couple weeks ago and the sky's supposed to be falling over here in texas uh florida has had the uh, their their mask mandate ceased all the i think uh, all since what uh, november and nobody we don't have bodies we don't have bodies on the floor we don't have all this and um i i really um this makes me this makes me more actively involved and observant of our local government like bells has been shouting about because i'm like okay i see that desantis is doing something like uh, banning the 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 covid passport yep all right abbott what are you gonna do what are you gonna do because we're looking at you what are you gonna do and if you're not gonna do it uh, do anything then we're we're looking at the gubernatorials in 2022 no you might you almost know? you might almost have to with him because he's already got strike one for his big knock on gab so I mean that was a real eye-opener from yeah. just to see out of the blue him going and kind of disown you know any affiliation or or you know association to gab just based off of I mean, he said it was due to anti-Semitic postings that were being on. That's on every board ever. There, there's stuff like that all over Instagram, all over Facebook. But to go out and, and go after Gab, um, just based off the fact that it's a free speech platform and not being able to be controlled by anyone, yeah. I, I think was a big strike one for me. Now that what he's going to do with the COVID passports, I mean, I know he touted opening up and being free even though some of the more liberal strongholds in Texas aren't yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's definitely starting to get a target on his back. He starts yeah. to, I mean, look at what happened. You guys both see what happened with Christy Nome this week, right? With the transgender rights sports mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Man, what a, what a, what a huge buildup to what's going to turn out to be one term. I mean, Donald Trump's not going to go endorse her when she runs for reelection. I, or at least I hope he doesn't. I hope he learned his lesson about endorsing. What a shame. What a shame. Cause I, I have high hopes for her. I liked her. She had a lot of, I mean, I was looking at her and this is just me 
with down the road you she possible candidate and member if, if if trump comes back in some way shape or form as president in the future so i mean just based off of how strong she was for him and then to say that she's going to veto it and then pass it twice absolutely not can't do that so for me moving forward with candidates it's going to be if you say you're america first cool um now it's prove it and if you're not, you're not getting endorsed. You're not getting endorsed by anybody that I influence. Uh, you're not going to be endorsed by my family or, you know, anybody who this podcast, um, you know, that listens to this podcast. It's just not going to be uh, sometimes maybe even if Trump endorses it. Uh, one of the one of the funny things that I thought was was actually really brilliant that Tom Pappert said when he was on before you ladies uh, joined us today was that, you know, he hoped Trump learned his lesson from making some bad endorsements uh, like Brian Kemp, probably one of his worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and now moving forward after everything that's happened to him and how rotten everyone's been to him, why would you, or who's getting paid to, to tell Trump, this is the person you should endorse. He's got to go out and do his research and he's got to fight for us a little bit. And I don't think there's ever been a president who's been better in a hundred years or fought for us more than Donald Trump. So don't take anything away from that. I just think he needs the support system. He did not have for four years. Um, when he makes, you know, another run at it or comes back. So. I mean, shoot, but who would have known that it was that bad? Who would have known that there was just as many bad Republicans as there was Democrats? Yeah. Anybody that's watched Fall of the Qual? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Hey, you know, at the very least, Dan Scavino has. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. the, the, the buck only gets passed so far. Um, I think it's that's why it's time to you know think outside the box. No more career politicians. You got to start looking at politics differently. Enough, enough with the career politicians. I don't want somebody that says the right things and acts the right way in front of cameras. I want to, I want to see your Facebook page. I want to see the shit you've been talking about for the last ten years, and I want to see if it lines up with the things that I believe in. Uh-huh. And I think that you should get a shot at it and serve two terms, and then get on your way so that the seat can be filled by someone else that represents the people. Cause when you sit in that seat too long, you stop identifying with the people. So I think it's, you know, again, I'll say it again and I, I, as loudly and I'll continue to say it until we win our country back. Um, you know, really taking account- accountability over what's happening locally is going to be the only way. I don't think that they have the manpower. I don't think that they, um, I don't think that they have a counter to that. I think that they've had to be very strategic with what they've stolen, what districts they've stolen, what positions they've stolen. And they've had to be strategic because they know that they can't manipulate the entire system. You know, I have a big problem with people that are like, oh, well, the system doesn't work. Uh, you know, the election is clear proof of that. No, BS, the system does work. That's why they cheat it. If it didn't work, they wouldn't have to cheat it. So if, if, if we take control back, if you live in some small town somewhere, even in a bigger city, you know, Look to see where the city council seats that are open, all the elected office seats that are open. You'd be surprised how many are vacant, how many of them um, are filled with individuals that have run unopposed, how many of them are filled with dogs and cats. I mean, you know, pay attention to these things and and and, and play an active part where it's every single person is fighting this war every single day. So there's no more backseat, uh, you know, lack of action. Yeah. If you want to save our country, you're going to have to be active in it. And, and speaking of people who are active, she's probably one of the largest people active. Uh, Stacey Abram and Dem- Democrats down in Georgia uh, make the case for voting overhaul and say that the laws were which enacted and signed into Georgia legislature last week by the governor, which basically admitted 
that everything that happened in Georgia in the 2020 election was wrong, fraudulent, went hand in hand with the outline of the Time magazine um, fortifying the election using corruption, labor union, big tech, et cetera. They signed a bill into law last week in Georgia, basically restricting all of that stuff and stopping it um, for elections moving forward. So she's out on the war path right now and is using her local weight <laughs> down in Georgia to hopefully bring it up to the national level um, in a push for HR1, which would basically stop all of the voter changes that happened in Atlanta or I'm sorry, Georgia, and ones that 40 other states have now applied or proposed legislation for moving forward. So just imagine that. We just had the election, which we've outlined over the course of the last several hours of this podcast, which there was a lot of stuff that went wrong. It was fraudulent. Um, there was a lot of fraud, especially in key swing states, um, especially those four big cities at 3 o'clock in the morning. Imagine that. Weird. Right? And then we had Stop the Steal that never happened. And now as a way to cover their tracks after admittingly saying through that Time Magazine article that all this stuff happened and that's just the way it had to be because Orange Man, bad, regardless of all the good stuff that he did. So bad. Terrible. We're going to start changing laws at the state level so that next time you'll have nothing to complain about it and because people are so stupid and have tiny brains, they forget about it after a few weeks, after the next big celebrity couple breaks up, after there's another mass shooting or another strain of coronavirus or another migrant crisis. Or is it going to be the blue-eyed or black-eyed Joe Biden giving the speech? It's just terrible. And um, so, yeah, she's back out on the warpath. Um, donut in one hand. Oh, she got her uh, vaccine passport? She can get the donut she from Krispy Kreme? She probably got her Krispy Kreme. Yeah. So, but Donald Trump was in the news this week as well. Apparently, down at Mar-a-Lago, uh, there was a couple that got married. And he went down there and crashed their wedding. And when he went to crash their wedding, instead of wishing them the best, he decided to go and rail on the outcome of the 2020 election and shit on Joe Biden and some <laughs> audio that TMZ released. And I'll play for you guys now. I mean, if it was my wedding, I wouldn't be mad. What a fucking legend. <laughs> you know, I just got, I turned off the news. I get all these flash reports and they're telling me about the border, they're telling me about China, they're telling me about Iran. How are we doing with Iran? How do you like that? Well, they weren't ready to make a deal. They would have done anything. They would have done anything. And this guy goes and drops the sanctions. And then he says, we'd love to negotiate now. We're not dealing with the United States. They don't, oh, no, they don't want to deal with us. And China, the same thing. They never treated us that way, right? You saw what happened a few days ago. It was terrible. And, uh... The border's not good. The border is the worst anybody's ever seen it. And what you see now, multiply it times 10, Jim. You would know how to handle He's the only one I know that might handle the border tougher than me. But we have to, and the tough is in the most humanitarian way, because that's what it is. What's happening to the kids, they're living in squalor. They are living like nobody has ever seen anybody. There's never been anything like what's up. And you're gonna have hundreds, and you have it now. They have the airplane photos, the shops, and they call them shops. And these things are showing thousands and thousands of people coming up from South America. And it's gonna be, it's just, uh, look, it's a disaster. It's a humanitarian disaster from their standpoint, and it's gonna destroy the country. And frankly, the country can't afford it because you're talking about massive, just incredibly massive amounts, our school systems, our hospital systems, everything. So it's a rough thing. And I just say, 
Do you miss me yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not done. No? Uh, as we were saying, we did get 75 million votes. There go. Never got to that. They said, get 66 million votes, sir, and the election's over. Well, I got 75 million, and they said, but you know, you saw what happened. 10.30 in the evening, all of a sudden, they said, that's a strange thing. Why are they closing up certain places? Right? You know, a lot of things happening right now. I just wanted to say, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you at Mar-a-Lago. You are a great and beautiful couple. And for many, many years of doing it, Awesome. Yeah, so there you I go. Know. I mean, just imagine. Okay, first of all, um, look at what he did there. He goes off for over two minutes, just crapping on every single thing you can imagine. I, I was, I've heard it at least ten times, and, and, and I'm just sitting there watching him uh, make his hand gestures. You know, with like, it's a crisis over there, it's a crisis over here, yeah, yeah. and it's really bad, and no one can handle it the better way I do. And I'm just sitting here watching it fanboying. I do miss him when he asked, every time he asks, even if I'm by myself, I'll be like, yeah, I miss you. So because <laughs> I, I fucking do. He was the first president. I mean, I really think that all of his shit posts out there were literally him, whether he was stenographering them or he was typing them himself. And it made me feel like I feel like he was typing them himself stuff that I was good at, like shit posting. And then you have the president of the United States who's like, who goes to, to Davos and pushes fucking world leaders out of the way to yeah. get to the front of the pack. Or, or that one picture where he's like sitting in the chair and they made it look like he just doesn't give a fuck. And you have like Merkel and, and Macron and all the other ones there with like their hands out. Like, well, what do you mean you're not going to do? He's like, I'm not going to fucking do it. I'm not going to sign it. We're not going to be in this shit unless you pay your fair share. Everybody paid their fair share. Tariffs, Russia, Iran, the border. You name it, he did it. And it's just one of those things where, man, if there was ever, if there was ever a ray of hope um, or anyone who could possibly make that segment even better. It's everybody's favorite pillow salesman. <laughs> How do you guys feel about Mike Lindell? The pillow merchant. I love me some pillow merchant. He's a secret agent of some sort. You, wanna hear, you guys want to hear something sad? What? It's kind of sad. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it for actually all of our fans. Just so everybody knows, I've been working for like the last month. I, I was able to simp my way basically <laughs> up to the personal assistant of Mike Lindell. Her name is Caitlin, and she's his executive scheduler and personal assistant. We talked back and forth through maybe half a dozen emails. She vetted our website. She vetted our podcast. She said, I'm going to really give it a try. There was some blessings. And oh, we got to know. So she's like, hello, Rowan and the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And she said, right now, I am unable to get you into Mike's calendar for a bunch of reasons. Some of them are legal, and some of them are, you know, basically just regular things. And it made me really sad. She said she really appreciates us reaching out, enjoyed the show. Mike wants to be on your show, and thank you for supporting freedom of speech. We can revisit this at some time down the road. Many blessings, Caitlin, executive producer, Mike Lindell, semicolon my pillow. So that doesn't sound like a canned response, though. At least, like super canned. Okay, I will never call myself a handsome person. I, I don't think I, I'm below average at best. <laughs> I'm better looking than Steve Bannon. Why wouldn't you want to come on our podcast? Plus, you and Nick are more handsomer than me, and that makes you both more handsomer than Steve Bannon. But he goes on there like three times a week. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a sad moment. However, speaking of Steve Bannon <laughs> and the fact that he's not Q, right? Ladies, we're all in agreement with that. Steve Bannon's not Q. I do not believe that Steve Bannon is Q. Yeah, they kind of teased it on that HBO mockumentary. Um, they hot mic'd Ron Watkins, mm. Code Monkey Z. They stopped recording, put the camera down for those who haven't listened yet. And then Ron Watkins was like, you know, um, Steve Bannon's totally Q. And Colin was like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he's like, you know, it's just like I've been saying forever. This is what they did. They painted a little picture. Ron says, hey, listen, you know, because I'm the board administrator, I could see where the IP address it comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here's how I figured yeah. it. Here's how I figured it out. So there was one time where Q did a drop and he was outside Michael and Avenatti's office, the lawyer who represented the porn star who sued Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So he said, I need to triangulate Q posts that come out in that geographic area, which was like Malibu and how far the distance was. So the way they broke it down was Steve Bannon's house in Malibu was like 22 minutes distance from Avenatti's office. So it could totally be possible. Mm-hmm. And then they made it seem that way the whole show. And then in the last five minutes of the show, Cohen was like, well, after I do all of this bullshit where I continue to demonize the Watkins family and Hot Wheels and the whole movement, and I keep finding people who are like basement dwellers to be on this documentary when there's completely normal people who follow it, but I don't want anything to do with them because they're not interesting to HBO and all the globalists who control this company. Michael, Finn, Michael Flynn was the X factor. They said the Q movement basically glorified Michael Flynn. Right. And, and made him one of the most prominent figures in there. And Steve Bannon and Michael Flynn have both publicly and privately been hot mic basically telling each other to go fuck themselves. They never saw eye to eye on the same page. And whether or not that's some kind of a psyop to just continue to misdirect. But he basically called Bannon a red herring, regardless of that Q drop in Avenatti's office. And hmm. it's kind of hard for me to watch. Like I watched like 15 minutes and then like the last part of that episode and then the second episode which just followed I was completely uninterested I'm already uninterested I don't even know where I left off probably the second to last one but Mike Mike Lindell was on War Room yesterday and he did have some what some of us at least the five of us would consider to be good news and I'll play that for you briefly What I'm talking about, Steve, is what I have been doing since January 9th. All the evidence I have, everything is going to go before the Supreme Court, and the election of 2020 is going bye-bye. I, it was an attack by other country, communism coming in. I don't know what they're going to do with what after they pull it down, but it's going to But hang, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Donald Trump will go, be go back ahead. in office in August. So there you have it. Hmm. That wasn't in November. That wasn't the week of January 20th. That was yesterday. And that is on the heels of Mike Lindell countersuing Dominion. They were suing each other for billions in both directions. So what do you guys think of that? I mean, I don't know what his role is in all of this. He kind of came out of left field with this. His association to the Flynn family and Sidney Powell. Um, and Lynn Wood, who now is running for a chair in South Carolina, which is also very interesting to me. What do you guys, how do you guys tie this all together? What do you ladies think? Well, I think one of the, one of the roadblocks, right, has been the Supreme, the Supreme Court justice, right? And uh, there, I think there's levels of corruption there that need to be obliterated before 
any rightful decisions come out of that court. Yes. Now, I think something that's very interesting um, coming out of all of this is also that, again, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's a lot of simultaneous counteraction that is going on. And a lot of people don't have their eyes on it and they're not highlighting it. But when people say nothing is happening, there are definitely things happening. Um, again, you know, uh, uh, people people are being arrested. People are being um, called out for fraud. People are uh, overturning. Uh, particular laws, but another thing that is also happening is the Eps, uh, the the um, the trial of Glenn Maxwell. That's still ongoing. There yep. is still act, there's still activity within that realm, and so you see they added a charge just in the last like forty eight hours. They exactly, but she's being charged for sex trafficking a fourteen year old. Yes. So um, you know that paired up with um, everything that is connected as as far as corruption, I think that that is also the hope that we're looking for, and the, also the hope that we should keep our eyes on because um, we we know we know that there are allegations against uh, Justice Roberts. Mm-hmm. We know that there are allegations uh, against another judge in the Supreme. Uh, in the, the the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sorry, the the su- Supreme Justices, the the pool of justices. Th- we know that there's corruption there, and that there is something very embarrassing, and something that would take the blocks from underneath their feet, should it ever come to light. Um, so I think that, you know, I just look, I trace information and I track it. That's, that's how I make my own, you know, my own assessments. I just observe and I, I, I see things that are happening and we tend to have the public, the general public tends to have amnesia. We forget things that have already happened. The executive orders, all those things that, that happened, um, you know, back in 2018, when Donald Trump signed them, they were still, they were still there. He's not a wasteful president. I, I, do believe that he's tying he's tying their 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 shoelaces when they're sitting down unnoticed and i think that when they get up they're going to trip and that's that's what i'm noticing all these freight training policies you know trying to shove all this stuff in our faces i think that that that's showing uh a, a a disadvantage to their their plan they are doing this for a reason that's why they're fast tracking this they didn't have the past four years to unravel their plan they they got disrupted and so because we see everything sort of unraveling so fast i think that's also a thing that we need to observe that you know there's possibly some counteraction that we don't see but also the, there are things in the light that we can speculate on and um you know in order for there to be a fair, a fair trial or for any sort of outcome to be fair, that needs to happen. They need to uh, correct the, the Supreme Justice pool. So that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had I've had a theory Go ahead. going for some time about um, Mike Linda and uh, Sidney Powell and General Flynn and Lynn Wood and you know, it all goes back to actually what led up to the six, which mm-hmm. if you guys recall back in late November, they held a rally and it was a really loud rally. And my, uh, it was the all, it, it, was, it was the all lies will be revealed rally. Wasn't it? All lies will be revealed. I have the t-shirt. Um, it's time. <laughs> it's time to get 1776. Yep. Those were Linwood's precise words. Right. So, you know, every movie has good actors. Yeah. So I think that um, what we 
as you're watching things unfold with um with Lynn, with Sydney, you're watching them be dragged by the media. Mm-hmm. You're watching them be canceled. You're watching um uh, the, you know they're they're trying to take their careers from them. Um Linwood has spoken out about how he has family that doesn't speak to him. Yep. I think that these players are out there to be a representation of us as patriots. The movement. I don't think that they, you know, these aren't MAGA people. They are one they are patriots through and through. And I think that their their role is really to play almost like a gauge of mm-hmm. where we should be at. Um, they're experiencing the same things. They're canceling them just like they cancel us. You know, they're silencing them just like they silence us. So um, I use them as a gauge to tell me how um, how calm I need to be, how pissed off I need to be, um, if I need to uh, dig on a particular topic or put out information. You know, I've been talking about corruption with Justice Roberts for the last few years. Oh, yeah. So when Lynn Wood went out and spoke about it and people were like, oh, Lynn Wood's lost it. It's like, no, he hasn't. He's he's ballsy to be talking about something that a lot of people have known for quite some time. Has Justice so, Roberts sued Lynn Wood? Because I sure think he hasn't. It, it sure hasn't. And that's another thing. It's like we're talking about one of the greatest um, attorneys. Defa- defamation law to lawyers. <laughs> yeah, Correct. So I, I don't think he'd be putting something out there. So again, I think that they do play a really important role in almost acting like cheerleaders for patriots. I think that so many people, as I had spoken about earlier, just don't know how to hold people accountable. They don't know what steps they need to take. I think, you know, we've been talking all day about running for local politics and how that's mm-hmm. important. Lynn just announced that he's going to be running for local politics. Yep. So I think that these individuals are really there to gauge where we should be at um how angry we should be the actions that we should be taking so to hear mike lindell speak about um trump being back in the office by august i mean i'm sure that a lot of it it could be smoke but um we all hope it isn't (laughs) we all hope it isn't i think that at a minimum what it speaks about and I've, i've talked to natalie about this before is that you don't have to believe you know there's good guys the same way that we're gathered here right now talking about this and there's, you know, a ton of people out there with really backwards views. Um, there's I have to believe that there's still good guys in our government. There's still good guys in our military. So when I hear Mike Wendell say something like that, I think it's just, you know, clear to me that um, there's some kind of opposition to the bad guys. The bad guys that have some plan to turn us into internal, uh, you know, consumer slaves and 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 usher in this uh, new world globalist order. There's there's a there's a living existing opposition to that. And, um, you know, as long as as we've got that, then there, there's got to be faith. Again, I, the system works. If not, they wouldn't try so hard to cheat it. I think that, you know, and, and, and I'll leave it at this point. One of the things that was really important about the six to me was that it, all it took was one tweet. Yep. All it took was one tweet. He didn't have to say anything else except January as January six be there. And um, I think that that was a big, uh, you know, middle finger from him to the deep state, like letting them know, like these people are ready to be mobilized. They're ready to mobilize. They're, they're, they're all they have to do is just get some direction. So, um, you know, to go back to the point about Mike Lindell, I think that that's what characters like Lindell and Wood and Powell are really there um, to almost act as gauges for us as where we should be at in in the battle. Very, very 
awesome way of looking at it. I definitely didn't always look at all of it that way. And, and yeah. now that you say that, it, it makes a lot more sense. They are purely based off their professional track records, for the most part, constitutionalists. And like you said, uh, we talked about even touching on MK Ultra and things of that nature. The deep state did not like when Donald Trump reversed it and flipped the switch. All, like you said, all it took was one tweet. And look, you guys were there. Millions of patriots activated. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's all those things that, uh, you know, I know as a group, as a movement, and going forward, we're probably right over the target. So to, to give up now, it, it would be just not prudent i don't think so so this has been an absolute treat i think to say the least yeah um good stuff this has been a marathon show for us if you put in the first half that we had before you guys even came on and uh we want everyone who listens to this show to know where they can get all of your guys locations for online Yeah, so um, I, I'm mostly on Instagram. You can find me on Red Pill Babe seventeen seventy six, and then from there you can find the link over to my Telegram, uh-huh. where I'm posting up until you know T Dot opens up his new platform, where you'll definitely find me there on the Red Pill Babe <laughs> once that comes back up. I miss it, <laughs> Natalie. What about you? For sure. Yeah, you guys can follow, uh, find me. Uh, I have a unique name. If I'm not shadow banned, you can usually find me pretty easily. It's uh, N-A-T-L-Y dot Denise on Instagram. Telegram as well. Uh, T dot me slash Natalie Denise without the dot. Uh, uh, Natalie Denise. And then, um, yeah, same here. I'll be on Daddy T's platform whenever he starts that back up. <laughs> I'm also on YouTube um, as me, Natalie Denise, and um, The Daily Traffic. Yes, a very awesome Instagram doorway that'll lead you to that YouTube channel, which I suggest anyone who's passionate about that. And if you're not, you just want to jump down that rabbit hole, um, get into um, In regards to our show, um... We are on Spotify. We're on iTunes, Pandora, and Podbean. We're also on steakforbreakfastpodcast.com, our new website. Um, we're on Instagram at steakforbreakfastpodcast and steakforpodcastbreakfast, our backup. Uh, find us on Twitter at DOS23TRES. Download, like, listen, follow, and share our show, please. Um, we're also on Gab at Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Uh, I want to thank all of our sponsors as we're wrapping here. Stay Ready Gear, Man Rubs, West Coast Survival Arms, Mediocre Medic Apparel, and Dump Box. Um, our upcoming shows. Next week, we're going to be getting back with the gals from Russian Disinformation. Jasmine and Austin will be with us, and we're going to be talking about the World Economic Forum. Davos, globalists, and everything of that nature. The following week on the 14th, we'll be back with Yolati. Um, it's Yolati from TikTok and Instagram. She's pretty awesome getting to know her the last few weeks. 420, big show for a lot of our listeners, not necessarily us, but uh, the human vibration. Come on. Nice. And help you get through that high of that day with her lovely velvety voice and everything purple. Um, on the 27th of April, we're going to have the Orange Men. 
And the first week of May, on the 4th, we will have Qtards FM. Um, they're kind of set up here in the States and across the pond in the UK, and we're going to get together with that podcast and talk about all the happenings going on. Um, show creds this week go to Lala Beams, James at We The People Radio, Rise of the Phoenix, and Jasmine and Austin from Russian Disinformation. And most importantly, our friends, the ones who we interact with most on social media, also help promote the show. Solid. And spread the good word. As always, Khalil 3, Axia 5.0, Real Brenda Memes, and Baby Cakes 2.0, two of the bigger fire accounts out there for shitposting. Scorpion 4.0, The Raging Patriotic Babe, Chonky Keck, Reverse Mockingbird, and we have it all 17. Um, again, ladies, thank you for taking the time. I know it's late there. Uh, you guys are probably going to bed. I'm going to work. Noah's going home. Um, and Nick's putting his kids to sleep. Going to the gym. But one thing's certain at the end of the day. Um, as long as we keep this movement going, we stay focused on what's important for the country and not necessarily ourselves. And stay true to those values. At the end of the day, light's going to overcome the dark and God will win. I think we could all agree on that, right, Elise? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. And on behalf of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, I'm Roan. I'm Noah. And Nick's putting his kids to bed. Yep. And this has been the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Thanks, thanks and everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. No, you're not.